Warning! This episode contains foul language, stories of rape and murder, and a number of mispronounced words. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with one of our friends and we talk about something weird. And this week we're going back to the homeland. We got to research some paranormal, supernatural, and strange stories from our own personal heritage. We're taking a spooky trip through Europe, folks, so buckle up! Buckle it. Buckle it. My my name is Lauren, and this is my lovely co-host, Ashley. Hi, hello, weirdos. Nice to see you, hear you again. Listen, be talking. You're done over there. (laughs) And I'd also like to welcome our very, very special guest, Melanie. Hi. Sorry, guys. Uh. (laughs) I had to cut you off. I had to cut you off real quick. You were struggling. Um, That was a mess. You said a lot of words. I did. I... It's fine. It's like, let me just, just introduce Melanie and flush <laughs> 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 Ashley up. <laughs> uh, Melanie, and how long have we known each other? <laughs> Four years? We worked years? together at Barnes & Noble, yeah. which was like working in hell. But also, after I stopped working there, I realized like one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. So which I don't is know unfortunate. What that says. What I don't know what say? that says about like me and my job history, but... <laughs> You thought this was bad, didn't you? Here's the thing. Barnes & Noble, horrible. But everyone that worked there was cool. See, and that's... We talk about that all the time. Every single person. When we all go out and drink our sorrows, we talk about how we would all have quit if it weren't for each other. Yeah. I mean, I haven't worked... I only worked at Barnes & Noble for, like, probably a year or less, and I... Still meet up with my Barnes and Noble coworkers. For yeah, drinks, so you still always really talk cute. about your Barnes and Noble friends. Like that's a job yeah. that had Dakota, such a big impact. Yeah, Dakota. Amazon, Heaves from Barnes and Noble. Yeah, we it's just. Scott. Oh my God, Scott! Yeah. Scott Youngbauer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, that you've kept in touch with everyone. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. shows a lot. That I know. Team yeah. really stuck together. Oh God, we had so much fun. It was both. <laughs> it was basically like we just commiserated. Yeah, we yes. bonded through. <laughs> Pain and Through suffering. our own misery. <laughs> All the pain and misery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and Melanie was the, uh, she's like the manager of the cafe over there. Y'all. And, which is so fitting because <laughs> she, you guys can't see, but she made us whiskey punch. It's like a fall punch and pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. Oh my God. Everything is so amazing and wonderful, and the basket that's wait. holding the cookies looks like a little spider web, mm-hmm. and she just, like, really gets she just, us like, on really a deep understands. level. <laughs> and we love when people bring us booze. We can't say it enough, no. so just, like, stress this enough. be well, like Melanie. It works with the heritage that. thing. Like, we, I come from a people of, like, I must host the things, I must feed the people. Is that why you are the way you are? Yeah, I think You are so. always feeding I people. I am always feeding So you're people. one of those, like, mamas of all, like. Like you're the Sorry, yeah, of the like group. I never want my own children 
but I will yeah. make everyone else be my, eat this, it's good. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, yeah, that's, I, I mean, I got it from my mom for sure, but I, love that I think quality. it's a, I think it's a cultural thing. We often joke that we are a people who've survived um, a genocide. And so we're always paranoid about like stocking food and having lots <laughs> of like backup, like every Armenian home has like two refrigerators and like a, a box of plastic bags, so if someone comes to throw you out of your home, you can put things in bags. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I guess we laugh about it because we're horrible people, but, like, my cousins and I would make up all these awful jokes about how we're people who've survived slaughter, <laughs> and we have all these adaptations that have grown into our... Oh, okay. It's all so about survival. So now you just have so much extra stuff. Extra so you're like, stuff. take this stuff, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. speaking no, of <laughs> living by your culture and your people, where are you from? Um, well, I personally am a first-generation American... I was born here. My parents are actually from the Middle East. So my mom's born in Syria. My dad is born in Lebanon, as is my sister. And their parents used to live in what is now Turkey, which was part of Armenia on again, off again, long history of people fighting over it and all that good stuff. So I'm actually not from the country that currently is Armenia, mm-hmm. but I do have a like an uncle who lives there now and I've been there a bunch of times. So we identify ourselves as Armenian. Like, if you ask my dad, he doesn't consider himself Lebanese. He considers himself Armenian. Armenian. Okay. Yeah. Like, a lot of displaced people. Well, when's right. the last time you... Because I remember you went there for, um, like, a mission I trip. did. Yeah, that was two summers ago. Yeah. Two summers ago. Because you brought me... I still have the bottle. Do you see? It, the liquid's gone, though. It was moonshine. Well, that, that's... A, <laughs> I was moonshine. like, don't bring, don't bring that because we'll all die. I truly think... With all the gas in the house? Oh, my God. Cat, you guys I truly think yes. that <laughs> half of it evaporated. I, more than Because one. I don't remember drinking that whole bottle of <laughs> Armenian moonshine. It was funny because she gave it to me as a, a gift, and she was like, oh, this is Armenian moonshine. And I said, uh, what proof is this? She said, I scooped it out of a barrel with a cup, so a billion? Yeah, <laughs> like, one million proof. It's gasoline? It's, I yeah. mean, you could probably like, put it in your car. And yeah, like, and you could look. drive. Yeah, it was always this funny. Where like you would sit around like a table with some village elders and they're just like pounding it back and we're like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't take holes it. Holes in your lungs. And oh my you're like, God. What are you drinking? And then a few weeks in, you're like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's water. I mean, you just it. like everything is burned. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. all gone. Your esophagus yeah. 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 so lining your stomach is gone. Yeah. Like. Just keep drinking it. Yeah. Yep. That's so funny. Yeah. It is. Um, I did have a couple questions for you, but sure. we pretty much answered them. <laughs> well, when are you going back? No plans yet. Oh, okay. Um I'm hoping maybe, like, not this coming summer, but maybe the summer after. Actually, I'd like to go in the non-summer when it's not 300 degrees outside. Yeah, no kidding. Sure. I've been there in the winter. I've been there for New Year once. And then, but I'd like to do, like, spring or fall, like, kind of when the weather's a little milder and it's not as crowded. Because mm-hmm. now there's quite a lot of people who go, like, visit, like, whether... Apparently, it's, like, also a really big ski sort of destination now what? for, like, lots of Europeans. There's this crazy video. Huh. My sister, who was terrified of heights, sat on, like, the world's oldest ski lift. I don't know how she didn't die, like, <laughs> fall right through. Um, but it's crazy. It's, like, this really amazing, like, beautiful valley. And they've installed all these new, like, ski lifts and stuff. And it's apparently a destination now for skiers and people who want to extreme sporters extreme sporters well it's very like the it's very mountainous so there's an alpine lake like there's all these like it's still pretty beautiful it's not very well known so there's a lot of forests and stuff so it's still like a really nice place to visit and it's a really really big 
What is it called? Like a pilgrimage destination for Christians. Oh. Huge. There's more churches than you guys. Like, after a while when I went on my high school trip, I was like, another church! <laughs> we got it, we got it. We're that's like when, yeah, that's like when I bring Joe to Southern Illinois, and he's like, how many churches are in your town? Right? <laughs> I'm like, did we pass one? And he's like, we've passed several. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, and yeah. eventually they all look the same, and I'm sure, like, they're all really old, and they have this amazing cultural significance. But I was like, are we getting a bus again? Is it a church? I don't want to go. Church. I'm out. Count me I out. I can't pass. distinguish. Like, there's a few that I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then others, I'm like, eh. it's a church. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. It's like. Was there so, an exorcism here? Why yeah. am I here? Other than that, I'm not interested. <laughs> Was it carved into the side of a mountain? We already saw that? Okay, then I don't want to see that. Yeah, then, then I'm, I'm out. out. Then I'm out. I'm out. So I, I think like, that's kind of an interesting thing, too. Like, so many people go there now. Because it used to be part of the Soviet Union where you didn't have religion. Now that I guess, like, people can just go. We, I think the last time we were there, we saw, like, a large group of, like, Asian tourists who were, like, all Christian, like, some missionary something. And interesting. They're going around looking at rural churches. So... Interesting. Yeah, it's a really I big. Was expecting you to say that. <laughs> the only other question I have is, what is it culturally that makes me so afraid of old Armenian women? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably the same thing. That makes me afraid of old Armenian. Women. <laughs> I want to become one, guys. I feel like it's just that they are so matter of fact, and they are they just they have no they no time. They're. Maybe there is no time. Maybe that's what <laughs> Maybe it is. time doesn't exist. There is Maybe for no them, time. It's the like, like, I don't have time for this. I'm not sure. It's a very interesting mix. Or I wonder if part of it is honestly a lot of like, they're putting up a front of being a very specific way. Because I have seen Armenian women in their own households and outside of their households. And inside their households, they are much different people. I feel like they're putting up a lot of walls when they're out in public. Yeah, and I feel like I have very... regressed memories and something horrible happened to sure, me sure. with, like, an old Armenian woman because every single time fear. I, like, coming, like, across an old Armenian woman, I'm like, hello! <laughs> like, I'm, like, the nicest person in the world. It's please like don't I have, be like, mad at me yeah, for Don't no be reason. mad at me, please. I just yeah, exist I, here. I wonder. <laughs> I, just, I good heavens. I'll, I'll let you guys know when I become, like, you know, seven. Yeah, when you're an old you, Armenian woman, when I'm, once you hit me, that I feel point. like I'm there anyway. But yeah. You, you tell know, me when what I get it is there that you don't like about me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I know what it is. Now I know what it is. Later. It's your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so we have we talked about doing this episode, this specific episode, probably like ten months ago. Um, because we were talking about it and you were like, I bet there's some real weird Armenian shit. And I was like, no doubt. So so we were like, we have to do an episode, uh, where we talk about Armenian culture and like some spooky weird stuff, um, from Armenian culture. So she's, Melanie is going to be sharing some weird and interesting Armenian tales. I'm going to be sharing some paranormal and supernatural stories from Italy, uh, my grandmother is 100% Italian. She is, uh, like you, she's a first generation. Mm-hmm. Her parents were born in Italy. And Lauren is going to be telling us some crazy German and Irish tales because she's white, white, white. Because I'm white as winter snow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm English, German, and Irish. That's just white. I mean, that's what <laughs> I am, too. And then I have a fully Italian grandmother. And I hold on to that Italian <laughs> grandmother. To be honest, when you told me that you were Italian, I, I laughed a little. Just because you, <laughs> Look are, at my hands. you are white as winter snow <laughs> my as hands. well. Okay. Skin-wise? Skin color, I am you're a, a whitey. pale, snowy day. <laughs> <laughs> 
the voice. gravel. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's why when you were like, oh yeah, I have this Italian heritage, I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> I need to see this grandmother. No, I'm just kidding. I completely agree. <clears throat> I mean, the only thing, I mean, my grandma's very Italian in her like... You know, just, like, her everyday, like, the way that she, like, her hands, her hands are always up here, and, yeah. and um, and she, but she, the food. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. The Italian food. food is the best. She just, she, you know, she's the kind of, I mean, she's, a, she's also a grandma, so she, <laughs> everything is homemade, like, sure. actually made in her home, so, oh. like, pasta, she wrote, makes her own pasta noodles, oh, and, like, rolls her own raviolis, and she makes, have you guys ever had pozzellis? No. <sighs> okay, so, <laughs> they're these very, very flat, you know, like a waffle cone? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they make pizzellis in like a waffle cone-like shape, but my grandma, a lot of them just make them just like flat. They're just like flat hmm. cookies. Hmm. They literally, and you just sprinkle powdered sugar on them. Nice. And they have like a cool little design. Like a pattern? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's almost like a waffle. Like you can have a, you can buy a pizzelli maker mm-hmm. and make it in this little like iron. And mm-hmm. it, they're so thin that they like melt in your mouth. Mm-hmm. So you take a bite that of this cookie. Amazing. Oh my God. But she makes like a, a dream. She makes a stack, like a foot high stack of them, which Jeez. is about one billion. <laughs> and in college, she would just make stacks of them and like send them to oh, college the with me. Oh, so it's like, best. oh, cool. So I'm eating Pizzelli's this month. I need an Italian <laughs> grandmother just for the just food. For like food. homemade pasta is my jam. Like anytime you go to a real legitimate Italian restaurant where you know they're Ugh. making it in house, it. Honestly, makes all the difference. Then yeah. you go to Olive Garden and you're like, "What the fuck?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not the good stuff. That's the thing stuff. with pasta for me. I hate ordering pasta when I'm at a restaurant because I feel like every pasta I eat at a restaurant, whatever I make at home, is always ten times better, better. than mm-hmm. what I, I eat yeah, at a restaurant. For sure. Unless you go to a legit Italian right. restaurant, like you said, where they like make their totally. own noodles. But then those are always like one million dollars. Yeah, because they're like, "Well, I'm making like, it." Yeah, you're rich. looking at the ingredients <laughs> in the pasta dish, and you're like, "I can make that at home." Yeah, yeah I'm not exactly. ordering this now. I need to order this <laughs> precisely. <laughs> Man, I remember I the this last This is terrible. Time. It could turn into a food podcast. Like, I know. I know. It's like we need to stay on track. Um, welcome to Keep It Pasta. <laughs> Ooh, we could totally we make could a totally podcast. We could totally Keep It yeah. Pasta. Keep It Pasta will be our spinoff. Rigatoni. <laughs> a spaghetti. A mustachioli. A tortellini. A tortellini. Oh, my God. Hi. Hello. Fabulous. Um, welcome to Keep It Weird. Today we are talking about... Weird Creepy stuff. heritage. In heritage. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, I'm going to start because I have something. I don't know if you guys know about this. <clears throat> so Italians, and I forgot about this. My grandma used to do this, actually, and I totally forgot about it. And I went out to eat the other night with uh, one of Joe's really good friends who will be coming on the podcast. It's actually Maria from Glitch in the Maria. Mm. Her husband, Steve, is uber Italian. And I was like, do you know any, like, Italian anything? Like, any weird uh, stories or um, traditions? And he was like, well, there's the Maloik. Do you know what the Maloik is? Uh Okay. So it's spelled M-A-L-O-C-C-H-I-O, but it's pronounced Maloik, which... What? All right. Why? Um, Why isn't it Malachio? Yeah, right? Seriously. Um, It's essentially an Italian curse. So Italians are extremely superstitious when it comes to luck and karma. 
And the Maloik translates as the evil eye. Mm. So Maloik is a condition of unluckiness that comes from <coughs> someone. So it's like bad karma almost. It usually lies in envy. And according to elders, the bad luck can be caused intentionally or unintentionally. So the origins date all the way back to the ancient Greeks and the Romans. They believed in the negative power of envy. So, like, for example, humans were warned to be humble, not to brag too much, because even immortal gods could become jealous of human happiness and luck and destroy your life. Sure, sure. Sounds so, like of course, uh, many older Italians still don't say a baby or a child is beautiful because it can cause ill maloic. So, like, if you say, like, this baby is so beautiful, your baby is so beautiful, it can be misconstrued as, like, an envious thing. <laughs> and it could cause bad that's luck so on that person. That's, or on yourself. That's so crazy. So crazy. <laughs> so, to protect yourself from the Maloic, Italians wear amulets. <laughs> and you'll see them. You see them all the time. And you, I never put two and two together. But they look like horns. Um, they're called cornetti. They are usually red because in the past, to obtain the strongest effect, the amulet had to be made from red coral. And you could see the cornetti against the maloic basically everywhere in Italy, hanging from balconies, hanging on like rear view mirrors as like car charms. <laughs> yeah. Any place to take away the evil eye from that family person or even activity like driving, for example. Um, and they look like little red peppers. Okay. They're like little horns that are like curved and they're red. So I I just, I was like, do they use a lot of peppers? Like, why? (laughs) To dispel the Maloik is to use the sign of the horns. So what is most commonly known as rock and roll, the rock and roll symbol. Or hook'em horns if you're from Texas. Or hook'em horns (laughs) if you're from Texas. When you close your fist and raise your pointer and your pinky, and it creates a pair of horns. And Italians oh, make fine. that gesture when they see someone they consider particularly envious, which makes them more susceptible to the evil eye. So, so actually, crazy. you're wearing a Golden Girls shirt, aren't I am you? Indeed. Yes. Yeah. They do that in the Golden Girls a couple times. Oh my where God. she'll be like, right. yeah, she'll do this. Jesus. Is, Is it Betty White? That's Sophia no, it's does not, it. But yes, Sophia. Oh, okay. I yeah, was like, I'm just Betty this. White's character doing um, it, but not understanding and it. And yeah. that's sort of like, if, she, if oh, someone says something right. like envious or like petty towards her, she'll go like this. <laughs> like, and oh, that's an Italian that's thing. That's hilarious, because like, I always just thought that was just like her own little, her old little lady man. saying. Yes, yeah. it is. so funny. Yeah. I, like, I wasn't going to bring this up this early in the podcast, but it's such a natural transition because of what you were saying. You guys the have way heard that of- you said that, I wasn't going to bring this up so early. I was like, are you quitting? <laughs> oh, my God. No. I didn't, I didn't want to ruin this episode, but I can't do this podcast anymore, and I actually have to head out. I'm really um, sorry. Okay. No, I was going to save this for more when we got into, like cryptids and creatures later but have you guys heard i'm sure you have of changelings yeah it's literally a movie but they're huge in irish and german culture and it's so funny when you were saying the part of the maloik where it's like it's bad luck to say that a baby is beautiful or say it's good looking that kind of goes with the changeling superstition as well so i just kind of wanted to bring it up because um people believe that these Evil Irish and German cultures differ a little bit, but they mostly believe the same thing, that there are these evil fairies that give birth to deformed babies, and they want a human baby to replace theirs, so they will bring in their deformed baby and switch it with a human baby that is beautiful and perfect, and they call that deformed replacement a changeling. And Irish, like, the Irish people believed this much later than the German people did. They believed it until, like, 
1895. <laughs> I think it was like 1895 or early 1900s, which was way too long to the point where people would murder their spouses because they believed they were changelings. And it was just this crazy belief. But it was known around the town that if your baby was beautiful, you would like hide it under scarves or oh you God. would put markings on it to make it more hideous because if anyone overheard you saying your baby was beautiful, the fairies would be notified and a changeling would come in and replace your baby. That's and so bananas. some people would spit at their baby if it was oh ugly. God, like That's how far it went. Yeah, it was crazy. So when you were bringing that up about the Maloy, I just had to chime in. Mel ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I will spit at the child. Beautiful. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God, it's awful. Well, it's like such an excuse for like things they didn't understand, like you know genetic disorders. Like, oh, it's not my baby. Somebody took it. Right. Elf came and took my baby. Yeah, totally. Elf must mine. have taken. I honestly my think that's what child. it turned into. Like, oh no, like my child was perfect. This is a changeling. Mm-hmm. Like that absolutely became a thing. But yeah, I thought that was sort fascinating. Like, yeah, that it's a cross culture thing of don't say your baby. Don't say your baby. What about you? Do you like your babies? <laughs> well, I personally don't. Personally, personally me, do or me or my babies? No. Um, I don't know if we have something specific to like babies and that, but like the whole curse evil eye thing is huge. I realize we a lot of like like Persian, Middle Eastern, Armenian like families have like an eye over their door. Like, it's usually a blue eye, and it's, like, a pendant set in blue stone that's, like, where they wear it on, like, as a charm or, like, as a bracelet, and it's to ward off the evil eye. It's, like, this huge thing. Like, you can walk into one of those, like, small Armenian markets, and it's, like, inevitably someone's got a bunch of these little charms for sale. Okay. all over. Yeah, that's so weird. I think I saw something like that, because Italians have something like that as well, and it represents, I can't remember, I think it's tea, or egg yolk. I don't remember what it is, but basically if you think that you've been inflicted with the evil eye or the maloik, you can do something. Ah, I can't remember if it's tea or if it's an egg yolk or something, but basically you put it in like a bowl or a cup. And if it forms the shape of an eye, like if the oil settles in the middle and forms the shape of an eye, you have been inflicted with the maloik. Oh, that's interesting. So the, the eye is a very, uh, yeah, it's a huge like thing in the cultures of like, keeping away the evil eye so that you have a, a blue eye to ward off the evil eye. Something like that. I, You're a bad Armenian. I'm, I'm a terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible with that kind of stuff and that, like, culturally, like, language and, like, pride is, like, but, like, sometimes I'm just, like, I don't understand why you guys are wearing that. It's not really, maybe because, like, in my family thing. it's never been a thing. So, yeah. Like, I didn't right. grow, like, my mom doesn't. Well, yeah, my grandma like doesn't that. have a bunch of little red peppers. <laughs> but as I was researching right. and I was seeing these little horns, I was like, oh, well, I've seen those yeah, all, over, all the over the place. Like, yeah, I totally... I have seen that before. I just yeah. never, I just thought they were peppers. peppers. <laughs> I was like, all right, you guys like oh, peppers. Yeah. You guys are really into your peppers, I guess. <laughs> Makes me think differently about chilies. Right. Chilies. Yeah, you know? Oh, are they just warding things off? Maybe. With all the peppers? With the, ba- with the baby back ribs? Mm-hmm. That's my mom. <laughs> Babies, chilies. I was looking, I you said know. something. I drooled. You said something about eggs, and I remembered the word eggs from the changeling story. So I was like, wait, but it wasn't the same. It said one way to get rid of a changeling, this is actually funny, is to cook inside an eggshell, which how do you do that? And this nonsense will force the changeling to speak and reveal its true identity. Cook inside an eggshell. (laughs) Or brew inside an eggshell. 
the hell does that even mean? Like, we're not talking about eating hard-boiled eggs. I'm not sure what's going on. I know, yeah. like, I'm imagining them, like, pouring, like, a broth into a shell and being like, I'm cooking. That's what I'm imagining. But how does that make any sense? I don't know. <laughs> but apparently the nonsense makes the changeling speak, so it's supposed to be ridiculous. But also, like, that's not a thing. There's a lot of other nonsense. Can it be something else besides the cooking? Yeah, there's a lot of nonsense that is possible. And like, what would it do? Like, change would be like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I have to leave. That's what they say. They're like, Changeling is speaking. You are not who you say. Can you imagine a tiny, adorable baby, like, just all of a sudden being, like, the baby from, like, Roger Rabbit and being like, I'm out of here! Exactly. I'm leaving. I eggs. I don't know why. I figured a tiny cigar in there. Yeah, it's just, just lights time. up a cigar. Just totally like, can't. I gotta go. I gotta go. You're cooking in an eggshell. <laughs> Anyways. Um. <laughs> so, religious background, obviously. We are kind of similar. It's mm-hmm. Irish Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Italians are very Catholic, Catholic. or Christian. Um, yeah, but same. they're also mm-hmm. extraordinarily religious. And y'all... Well, y'all are actually the oldest Christian nation as a mm-hmm. state. Um, we are mostly Orthodox. So, like, similar to Russian or Greek Orthodox. Most Armenians are... are uh, Eastern Orthodox. There are certainly some, you know, Catholic Armenians, but essentially Christianity is like the main thing. There's, um, I know there's like a Catholic monastery in Venice, actually. That's an Armenian monastery, but it's really, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. It's like on a little island somewhere right off the coast of Venice, which isn't mm. saying much. It's like 80 islands. There. Yeah. There's an <laughs> which island. Which one? Uh, um, but yeah, mostly Orthodox. So a lot of like the, the holidays and stuff, they sort of line up like, most Armenians don't celebrate Christmas on December 24th. They celebrate the Epiphany on January 6th instead. Yeah, 5th and 6th. Yeah, mm-hmm. which, as a kid, was so funny growing up. My family always did present exchange on New Year's Eve, and, like, Santa would come New Year's Eve. And our family had the world's scariest Santa costume. It was a mask. I don't know why anyone <laughs> did that, you guys. How dumb were we? And Santa wouldn't just, like, give you presents. You had to earn them, like... The cousins would have to, like, recite poetry or put on a skit. And I was like, why did no one ever question the fact that, A, it's terrifying with a mask on. And, like, why is it coming, why is he coming on New Year's Eve? And it made no sense whatsoever. Um, Because you were in America. Yeah, and I guess, but, like, everyone. All my friends. Yeah, but, like, I guess, like, for (laughs) us who, like, went to Armenian schools or, like, really at growing up, like, only really associated with, like, Armenian families. I, I had no context. Um, but we didn't exchange gifts on the 6th, which was the day the wise men were supposed to have shown up. It was very strange. Right. It was like, how come we never questioned the fact that Santa showed up to our houses like 10 Early. days later? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's going on? Everybody already got their presents. Oh. We didn't do it very much when we got older and like my cousin's kid started having kids. We're like, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> like, yeah, we just we're can't gonna put them through this. It's did right. you go to Torture. like Armenian school and stuff? I did, yeah, oh, okay. here in Hollywood actually. I went to um, a school like from like K through 12, an Armenian school. And like growing up, it was very like I went to summer camps, Armenian summer camps. I was like involved in Armenian like youth organizations and stuff, which I'm still sort of involved in. I went to that um, thing two years ago in Armenia to run summer camp out there. But it was really funny that, like, I guess growing up, it just never occurred to me to question the fact that a lot of our traditions don't even line up with other necessarily Catholic or other Christian traditions, like the dates and stuff. And a lot of the religious <coughs> holidays, I don't know very much because I'm not religious, so I don't really know if they're similar. But, like, 
things like blessing of the grapes or they have like all these kinds of different church related holidays that mostly are probably pagan somewhere in there i'm sure so yeah but very very old do you have any like creepy <clears throat> christmas traditions you know i'm thinking honestly no we just cooked a lot of fish <laughs> well, because German, Germans have we Krampus. Krampus. We don't. Um, Italians yeah, which is actually the most have horrifying. one. Um, Tell us. So, well, I have to find it. <laughs> okay. I don't actually even know how to pronounce this. I told myself, Ashley, you're going to look up how to pronounce this before you start recording this episode. And I did not. So, Give um, us your best shot. Well, it's B-A-D-A-L-I-S-C. Badalisk? Badalus? I'll believe you if you say it. All right. Whatever. We're fine. So with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this happens again. It's during Epiphany, mm-hmm. so it's January fifth and sixth uh-huh. is when they celebrate it. And um, there's this creature, and it's a it's a mythological, obviously, but it's old, old mythological mm-hmm. creature called the Badalisk, and it's so fascinating. I'm kind of obsessed with it. So it's a mythical creature of the Val Camonica, which is one of the largest valleys of the Central Alps in uh, eastern Eastern Lombardy, Italy. It's a creature with a big head covered with goat-like skin and hair, two small horns, a huge mouth, and glowing eyes. It kind of looks like where the wild things are, so, yeah. Yeah, like monster. Yeah. Um, and according to the legend, the Battalisk lives in the woods around the village of Andrista and is supposed to be like a nuisance to the community. It smells, sounds, vandalism, etc. <laughs> um, but it's actually a Christmas tradition. So during the period of Epiphany, uh, the Battalisk is captured. This is sort of like, um, I guess it's like an old story, like the battleist was captured around Christmas and like brought into the village. So mm-hmm. now every year they go out, they quote unquote capture oh, the right, creature. Right, right. Uh-huh. It's someone dressed as like this re- creature. Re- yeah. Drag him through the village. Mm-hmm. Um and the characters that drag him through the village, it's basically he's like led on a rope and there's like musicians and masked characters, and the characters who capture him are all like archetypes. There's like the young man, the old man, the old woman, <laughs> shepherds. Um, and then there's, like, a young senorita who's, like, bait for the animal's lust, like, uh, she baits him. And there are also, like, old witches who beat drums and shepherds, and there's a hunchback who has a duel with the animal. And what? traditionally, it's, like an it's yeah, very what is crazy. Going on? Traditionally, <clears throat> only men take part, um, and the women's roles are played uh, by men. They, they play women. And the celebration has gone on forever since the ancient times. And actually, in the ancient times, women were forbidden to participate or even watch. If a woman saw or heard the battleist speech, they would be denied Holy Communion the oh next day. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. Well, so the speech extreme. that it tells once it gets to, like, the center of town and the parade kind <laughs> of, like, ends at the center, um, it's sort of like a roast where the the battleist like reads its speech and gossips about the community, like calls out different people. But the battleist is so dumb that um, an interpreter reads the speech for it, and it's sort of written in rhyme. But it's it's basically a roast of everyone in the community. Oh right? It sounds awesome. It sounds um, really cool. Oh and then during the speech, like the hunchback bangs a stick, and the witches bang their drums. Um, honestly, it sounds like a fever dream. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how this is real, but I um, like it. 
And then anyway, the parade and there, there's a feast, obviously. It's followed by singing and dancing and they eat like Battleisk polenta. <laughs> and there's this really cute tradition with um, village children will go from house to house and beg for cornmeal to make the polenta and they're given cornmeal. So it's like us for Halloween. Halloween, We buy a bunch of like candy. They Mm. buy a bunch of cornmeal so that when (laughs) the little kids come and beg for the cornmeal, they give it to them. And then they also make like, yeah, they make like battleisk like sausages um, (laughs) to give to the kids as well as like treats. Um, And then on the second day after at the end of the big party, the battleisk is set free and allowed to return into the woods so that tradition actually um is the same in hungary they call the battleisk krampus oh Oh, so it's the same creature same thing (gasps) yeah look at the world's different um i've had this frog in my throat for like three weeks i'm dying (laughs) different traditions commemorating the hairy creature are practiced throughout many European countries. That's why I was wondering if Armenia like had anything like Krampus so. or well, the Battleisk. Well, yeah, or I was trying to see if any of like the monsters or spirits are kind of in the vein of a big hairy of guy, a big hairy dude. But that's like all Armenian men. So really, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Just um, your average Armenian. Well, I just there. There's sort of one. It's called an Al Al. That's how it's spelled. It's a dwarfish evil spirit that attacks pregnant women and steals newborn babies. Oh, yeah. great. Changeling-ish, I guess, maybe. Yeah, a little Described bit. Described as half animal and half man. Its teeth are of iron and nails of brass or copper. It usually wears a pointed hat covered in bells and can become invisible. That has to be Krampus-like. <laughs> yeah, Krampus-like. Krampus right. Yeah, in Armenian tradition, the owls steal the lung, liver, and heart of women in childbirth. Jesus. Pregnant women and women who have just given birth. They also destroy embryos in the womb, causing miscarriage, and can steal babies 40 days after childbirth, replacing them with imps. They are male and female. They have clay noses and fiery eyes and appear with sharp fangs, disheveled hair, copper claws, iron teeth, the tusks of a wild boar, and sagging breasts resembling a crone. Okay. Okay. All right. After stealing the organs of a woman, they all attempt to escape and cross the first source of water, after which the woman cannot be saved. You can, uh, ways to ward off against the all include, uh, other demons. Sure, sure. Great. Uh, but things like charms, prayers, them. iron objects, onions and garlic, and preventing the that all from reaching water. Onions and garlic is also the way to repel me. If, <laughs> <need to. laughs> if I need to be banished. And I guess, like, in Iran, the all is a bony, thin old woman with a clay nose, red face, and a straw or reedy basket hanging from its shoulder in which the liver or lung of the young mother is placed. Jesus. In Central Asia, the owl is customarily a fat, ugly, and hairy crone with sagging breasts, one hanging over one shoulder while hanging... A breast? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> while uh, hanging over the other shoulder is a wooden bag in which she has placed the heart and liver of her victim. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> Brutal. So it gets, like, real ugly as you yeah. go, like, east. Like, it yeah. has to, yeah. <laughs> it has to be because it's, it's like I feel worse. like the battleisk is kind of like this fun little like <laughs> I it is like during Christmas the battleisk like they will like uh, make noise at night in the village and say like it's the battleisk and the battleisk oh, right, right, is right. sort of like a boogeyman too where it's like it's sort of like Santa it's like mm-hmm. oh if you especially during you Christmas misbehave. it's like if you misbehave like the battleisk will come and get you right, and that's right, what right. they do with Krampus as well in like Germany right. they say like if you you know if you're bad 
uh, Krampus will punish you or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And then you get to Armenia and, and it's, it's like, like saggy old breasts saggy and you're, I just take your stealing lungs. your children and it's such a dark dirt. <laughs> like, what happened? Dear Lord. Like, I'm like hoping it's not a Christmas tradition. Like, let's gather around the fire, kids, and let's tell you the story. And tell you about the owl. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, that's, what a that's, nightmare. Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> This is actually interesting. I actually found something about Krampus. I know we're not really talking about Krampus, but in 1923, the Krampus tradition was prohibited by the Dolphus regime and the Christian social party because Christians ruin everything that's fun. Sorry. Hi, Penny. No, they do. They do. They do. Oh, hi, Penny. Hi, Penny. And then in the 1950s, the government even distributed pamphlets titled Krampus is an Evil Man. Oh, Lord. Well, it might not be wrong. I mean, yeah, duh. Krampus is an evil man, but also, like, shut up and let us do our traditions. Penny, do you I mind? Know. Hey, Penny, can you can you not? <laughs> can you not? Well, like, for us, we they've just, I mean, basically much like in, like, Christmas and stuff, they've just been like, well, you know, you guys, this group of people celebrates this particular festival on this day. We're going to keep the festival. We're just going to change the name and make it something Christian. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah, that's what we actually talked about that um, on our last, on our Halloween episode, because we were talking about how the Christians came and and took um, Halloween, or Samhain from the the Pagans and and all this stuff. Made the All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve and blah, 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 and they did the same with Christmas. Yeah. Because Christmas was, or, you know, Christian's Christmas was the epiphany. It was 5th and 6th. And then they kind of, like, shifted it to be, like, December 25th because they were like, these guys, we got to give them something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We got to toss them a bone. Well, and then a lot of it is, like, connected to, obviously, the seasons and, like, harvest and a new year. But, like, um, I was reading, so I guess the ancient Armenians had a calendar which had 30 days and every day had a separate name. There was too many names, you guys. And then they had 12 months in their year, and they were mostly named for, like, their gods or the children of their gods. And then, like, they would have at least one festival every month paying homage to, you know, a certain god. Mm-hmm. And in for them, the start of the year was actually, like, mid-August. So that's when, like, summer was ending and the harvest would start. And then they would celebrate. Um, they would do these games called Navasart, which was basically... It was to honor, like, the great Armenian hero who defeated, like, you know, it was kind of like a... They would play, like, warrior games and, like, greet the new year, and then it would go from there. So most of these um, Armenian traditions that nowadays people just celebrate them and have no context, obviously, that it's pagan, but it's right. religious. But nowadays it's not even that religious anymore. It's just more a part of the heritage and the cultures. We have, there's one in the summer called Vartavad, which is essentially you just throw a bunch of water at everybody. That like, sounds awesome. It's it's great because it's the middle of summer. It's it's hot as balls. I saw a video of that. It, Does that still happen? Bananas. In Armenia, we, well, when I was there two summers ago, like, we had someone get hurt. But people will just, like, pick you up and, like, throw you into ponds and, like. What? Yeah, like, fire trucks are going down the street, like, yeah. hosing people down. I saw it's a video of this. Crazy. People were just running through the street spraying each other with water. It's, and I was watching it, like, what tradition is this? But it, people were coming from far and wide to yeah, celebrate this like, little it's, festival. It's nuts. And so, originally, the 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 festival was to celebrate the goddess Ostlig, who is the goddess of water, beauty, love, and fertility. The festiv- festivities associated with this religious observance were named Vatavad because Armenians offered her roses as a celebration. Thus, it was celebrated during the harvest time. 
Uh, people of all ages drench each other with water and rose petals. It is common to see people pouring buckets of water from balconies on unsuspecting people walking below them. I can attest to this. Yeah. Um, the festival is very popular among children, as it is the one day where they can get away with pulling pranks. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah, kids it is also, probably love it, and adults yeah. are like, you know, oh, it's vat vat, I'm not going outside. Yeah. Well, you would think, but like a lot of, like, like this is maybe that one day where those are all... Armenian old women get to like just let loose and just start. They hang out on their balconies and throw water. And throw water. Oh yeah, if I'm it's higher bananas. than everyone throwing the water, right? If you're the one on top throwing the buckets of water. And yeah, at one nice. point we were like, the sun was setting. We're all soaking wet. We're like a little miserable and like hungry and tired. And these like children are literally coming up to us with like water guns and stuff. And all of us have the death look like, don't. We're done. It's enough. And they don't care. No. No. Yeah. Doesn't the day's matter. not over. Yeah. Them. So at least like we like ducked into a restaurant or something where they can't, they're like obviously not allowed to just go in there and soak people in like. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know. What an interesting stuff. tradition. Right. And they, yeah, the pagans did the same thing. They had like a, they had a celebration almost <coughs> every month. I mean, yeah. they didn't have months. They had, you know, seasons. So exactly. it was like, this yeah. is the winter season. This is like the autumnal season. Um, and their first day of the year was uh, Halloween. Halloween, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, they sort of had it in the middle, and then there was another um, holiday called Derentes, where essentially you jump over a bonfire. So again, like, very much connected to the elements, like yeah. fire, water, you celebrated, like, earth, and and that was to celebrate art and fire. Who knows? I don't know why those two art are and fire, art and fire, both of them. And it was uh, to the god in the yeah, right. It's like, you don't want to burn that, right? I don't <laughs> right. Know that's what we're doing. But totally I think it was more pair. art along the lines of like song and dance, maybe okay. not so much like physical finger art, painting. Yeah. finger painting. Yeah. Um, but it was again n- named after the god Tyr, who was the god of like literature and art. So it was. At this day, people began to speculate about the future. They would have, like, these weird fireside-like gatherings. It's still celebrated in Armenia, albeit in a Christianized form. So sure. now, like, even here in, in L.A., you can go to some of the churches when they celebrate Didentes, and they'll clear out the parking lot, and they'll light a bonfire, and people will jump over them. They do it here now. Still. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, the church that, um, like, a bunch of my family members got married and in. seeing that and being like, it's Los Angeles. Yeah, right. <laughs> whatever. Just keep driving. It's pretty <laughs> normal now. Day. Keep yeah, driving. Yeah. Drive faster. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. they'll jump over bonfires and stuff, and they still do it today. But they give it to. some kind of Christian connotation, which I honestly don't even know, like how they justify jumping over a fire. It's like maybe if you, you jump over the up? fire, you're leaving the devil behind. Something you like could that. be totally right. I cannot think of anything else that would be symbolic. <laughs> Unless there's a saint that would be, represent, because that's what happened with like a lot of the pagan religious things, is they would like celebrate this one thing, and the, the Christians and the Catholics would be like, we have a saint that's kind of like that. Right. Why do you celebrate that? Them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very like, about oh, them instead. Very yeah. likely. Like, if there's a, one of the calendars at home, like, that's come from, like, some Armenian church. Every Saturday, every Friday and Sunday has some form of religious, like, thing written on the calendar. It's like, oh, my God. Every Saturday and Sunday. Everything is like, go to church, go to church, go to church, go to church. So it's like. Exhausting, guys. <laughs> it's too much. Maybe I want a day off. How about yeah. that? How about that? <laughs> How about I don't want to do this? I don't want to do this. Anymore. Do we have any other anyone on this couch in our studio? <laughs> in our studio here today. Any other religion or tradition? 
weird traditions. Well, I wanted to touch on St. Patrick, but just because you were talking about like, oh, let's make something about a saint. And then I thought of St. Patrick. Throw snakes into the sea. Okay, guys, we all need to be clear on this because we all celebrate St. Patrick's Day, Mm -hmm. myself included. I will throw a green t-shirt on. You best believe I'll have like four or five beers. Mm -hmm. I will celebrate, but I can at least admit that it's just Americans being fools. Like, I know none of us know what St. Patrick is even about. (laughs) And so I just wanted to go ahead and call it out right now. So to most people... St. Patrick is the man who brought a day of good times and green beer to pubs across the world. God bless him. God bless him. (laughs) Um, But actually, St. Patrick was not made a saint until centuries after his death, and he was not even Irish. St. Patrick was born in Britain to a very wealthy family, and during his childhood, he was kidnapped and sold into slavery in Ireland. Wait, what? Yep. And, like my whole life is alive. Exactly. <laughs> and during his years in slavery, he converted to Christianity. And once freed, he did spend the rest of his life teaching the Irish about the Christian religion. So he was a great man and lived to, you know, spread the good news, as they say. And so he was, as far as Christianity goes, he was recognized and known as a good man. But he really didn't do anything that crazy mm-hmm. besides that. So he died and was actually forgotten about for many, many years And then these random monks began to conjure up this tale that St. Patrick forced all the snakes out of Ireland, Mm -hmm. but that is untrue completely, and there were never any snakes in Ireland to begin begin with. with. Well, wasn't snakes a metaphor for the devil? Probably like Satan. It did have some symbolism, but it had gotten changed by the the grapevine, if you will, so many times that it became, oh, he drove the snakes snakes out of Ireland, and that's why we're a snake-free nation. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Snake-free since 93. (laughs) Right. So, I do think the monks probably started by saying, like, hey, this man brought Ireland to such a good place. Like, he he taught us about Christianity, and he drove the devil out, which, in ways, is true. Let's drink! Yeah. So let's drink beer. But that just got so changed over the years. And now he's St. Patrick, the man who drove the snakes out of Ireland. But really, he was just a good guy. Yeah, he's just a nice person. Just a nice dude. So I just wanted to clear that up. He's not a bad guy. He definitely deserves to have a day. Sure. But you're drinking (laughs) your beer just because you are drinking beer. (laughs) You're drinking your beer because there is a stereotype that Irish people are drunks. It's a true Which, stereotype. Yeah, I was like, actually, <laughs> a stereotype it's a stereotype. I feel like Ireland, yeah, has so many stereotypes. The beer one is totally true. Like, that's why you go to Ireland is to go to all the pubs and drink the beer. And I love the tradition that Ireland has of, like, having a little pub that's going to have just, like, a few guys playing some instruments and mm. have, like, a little jug band. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that. It's where the most cheerful people are. They're playing the best music. Well, the Irish are very, very, very community-based. Yeah what it's all about yeah like you can walk up and down a road pop into every pub and you'll see your friends and you'll see your family and it's just yeah i love so that about it so it's not a ton of people there so you have it's not a ton of face yeah you gotta you hold no on choice. to those people which i love um <laughs> and then another fun thing a lot of things revolve around catholicism and christianity in general like we mm-hmm. were saying there are a lot of irish catholics here in the u.s it's it's a big thing my sister-in-law and my brother well, my sister-in-law has been a hardcore Irish Catholic her whole life, and then she kind of looped my brother into it when they got <laughs> married, and they have five children. That's there another you. fun tradition of Irish Catholics uh-huh. no is just, like, control. pop out just babies till you... Till you can't. Till you die. Just kidding. Not until you die. That's awful. So, yeah, that's... A lot of it revolves around religion. 
uh, the shamrock, as you guys have seen, either in your bowl of lucky charms or mm. just on every Irish symbol ever, is special because of the three leaves and people believe it's the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. And they just, it, three has always been a sacred number for them. And so the Druids and the Celtics believe that there, there were things that could ward off evil about the shamrock and that was always held on to. And yeah, so those are kind of the religious fun things. Super aside, but, like, one of the largest St. Patrick's Day festivals doesn't happen in, like, where you would think, like, say, New York. It's actually in Savannah, Georgia. Really? Really? Nuts. Like, they have their uh, Chamber of Commerce has a countdown to St. Patrick's Day. Like, a, like one of those, like, automatic <coughs> calendars. That's what they count down to every day. Is my, one Day of my festival. really good friends, Stacy, lives in Savannah. I'm gonna have to text her there. and be like, Savannah's "Hey, the best. Uh, is it? I've been there twice. I've been wanting to go for her wedding, and I didn't get to, uh, and it was the worst day oh of my, my life." But um, that actually makes so much sense because, like, I follow my cousin on Instagram and Facebook, obviously. And on St. Patrick's Day last year, she's only lived there for about a year and a half. It was her first St. Patrick's Day there. Like, it was a three-day event. It's Every day, she was like, we're going again in my new green dress. The next day, in a new <laughs> outfit. In my green shorts today. Third day, a new outfit. In my green tank top. And I was like, when did you become so obsessed with this holiday? But it now makes sense that it's the town It's nuts is. over there. I haven't That's actually funny. been to Savannah for St. Patrick's Day, but, like, I've been there twice, and it's just, they're obsessed with it. It's it's crazy. How interesting. And it's supposed to be one of the most haunted cities in America. She, <laughs> she told me that as well. As soon as I started the podcast, she was like, Lauren. It's so great. We, took a, we did a haunted pub crawl once, because um, Savannah's uh, open liquor, like, um, open container, so you can walk around everywhere with your booze, and they have, like, stacks of red cups everywhere, so you just pour <laughs> awesome. your drink into your cup and just, like, walk down the street. So we did a haunted pub crawl, and we, like, took you into, like, the different places and what they used to be and told you, like, cool. That's awesome. Cool is awesome. And, uh, like, I paranormal stuff that's happened there. Oh, it's crazy. And they have, like, you know, rum runner stories from, like, pirates and all kinds of crazy stuff. Pirates? Yeah, pirates. Pirates! <laughs> <laughs> I really want to go to Savannah now. I, I, I hit a, I had a nerve. Yes. <laughs> it's like the B word. Oh, my yeah, God. It's the B word. I will say the B word here. <laughs> So oh, also we, Celtic crosses are the prettiest. Oh, and that's my last yes, movie. and Celtic knots. Yes. It's crazy. So we have like crazy cross stones as well. I should, um, pull up some pictures, like nuts cross stones. Like I don't know how who like put in the time to like carve those out by hand. Yeah. Those are nuts. Where in Armenia? Yeah, in really? the sea. Yeah, yeah. I'll try to pull up some pictures, but they have like gorgeous cross stones. Let's see what else. What else? What else? What about monsters? Do you guys have any monsters? Well, other than that owl, which well, owl boobs is everywhere. <laughs> she got a boob over her shoulder. Get that woman a bra. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of real quick ones. Um, so there's one called the Arales, which is the oldest gods in the Armenian pantheon. They are dog-like creatures with powers to resuscitate fallen warriors and Whoa. resurrect the dead by licking wounds clean. So there's, there's that Interesting. for you. Was that from, like, wartime or something? Yeah, and I, I think it's also a lot of, like, again, there's been so much, like, war over the very long history of Armenia mm-hmm. that, like, a lot of stories and heroes are associated with... Wartime. Wartime. And, and, and these are, like, a lot of these are old, like, pre-Christian, but becoming Christian in a small area where you're mostly surrounded by, like, well, Persians at the time were, like, Zoroastrianism was big, like, worshipping fire, and then a lot of, like, Muslims coming in, so there's been war at all times. 
Um, but and some of them got muddled together. Just to all, be, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, like, oh, I like that yeah, tradition. Like you the have, other one too take is it. like the Dev are air-composed spirit creatures originating from Zoroastrian mythology and share many similarities to angels. They reside in stony places and ruins and usually keep to themselves. Mm. So What's like, the point of that? I'm <laughs> like, why do you <laughs> don't exist? get too close to my to my stones, guys? <laughs> don't touch Stay my stones. stones. These are my ruins. These are I ruined them on purpose. Um, sorry. Wait, that was great. <laughs> oh god, I'm like the king of like dad jokes. I feel like I turn like the status. You're the Armenian mom. Yeah, you're you're, you're all daddy the mom. Dad jokes. Um, and then the Shahapet were usually friendly guardian spirits who typically appeared in the form of serpents. Well, that's odd. Eesh. They inhabited houses, orchards, fields, forests, and graveyards, among other places. The Shiva's type was more agriculturally oriented, while the Shivod was a guardian of the home. Uh, the Shivod, who is a well who is well treated, may reward the home's inhabitants with gold, but if mistreated, might might cause strife and leave. Interesting. So there there must be a lot of snakes in Armenia, and they just had to find a good reason. <laughs> yeah, for they're them. like, well, they're like, these are cool. <coughs> if we're nice it, to them, yeah, don't hurt them. They won't hurt they you. They won't hurt you. Um, and then the last one I have, like, monster-ish, is the Nahang from the Persian word for crocodile. Oh. Was a river dwelling... So, yeah, you just got back from Florida. Yeah. yeah. There, an alligator lives in my parents' backyard, oh my and I had to God, stare at him every crazy. day that I was there, and I oh, just can't. Oh, okay. thank you. Was a river-dwelling serpent monster with shape-shifting powers, often connected to the more conventional Armenian dragons... Super conventional, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> Those. The Armenians. The creature could change into a seal or lure a man by transforming into a woman. So they're like mermaids, oh, mermaids. kind yeah. of. Then drag in and drown the victim to drink its blood. Jesus. The word Nahang is sometimes used as a generic term for a sea monster in ancient Armenian literature. Okay. So is that kind of like an Armenian vampire? I don't know, or maybe more like vampire mermaid, or like a like a siren, or like yeah, yeah mermaid. Because if it's associated more with like a water serpent kind of deal, mm-hmm. and then there has one more. There was I couldn't find any info on it, but another creature called the Piatek, which is a large mammalian creature similar to a wingless griffin. And I think they found mm. like lots of like carvings and like you know paintings of these animals and like. <laughs> Some of their old archaeological sites they've dug up. I imagine that they've found a lot of these weird drawings of animals and women with hanging boobs. Hangy boobs. Hangy shoulder boobs. I actually have a sea monster, too, in Ooh. Italy. Um, <clears throat> it's called the Lariasaro. The Lariasaro is a cryptid reported to live in Lake Como in Italy, about 30 mm-hmm. miles north of Milan. Como is one of the deepest European lakes at about 1,200 feet deep. At its deepest, obviously. It began in 1946 when witnesses reported seeing a reptile-like animal swimming in the waters of the lake. It was called the Lariasoro because a century before they found the fossils, a century before this, so a century mm-hmm. before 1940, what did I say? <laughs> Where is it? 1946. <laughs> uh, a century before that, um, they found the fossils of a prehistoric reptile called Lariosaurus balsami beside the lake. And the creature looks very much like the Loch Ness Monster, but with a much shorter neck. Also, many of the reports say it had a shark-like 
fin attached to its back. So it's like a crocodile shark. So it's like the worst thing that's ever happened. So it's my worst nightmare that has come true. Um, many other sightings occurred in Lake Como in 1954. A creature Jeez. with a round muzzle and uh, back with a round muzzle and round back with webbed paws scared the poop out of a group of fishermen. <laughs> And in 1957, an enormous monster was sighted between Dongo and Muso. In September of the same year, a strange animal whose head was described as similar to a crocodile head was seen fairly close to the shore of Lake Como. And in 2003, a group of boaters thought they saw a 10 to 12 meters long giant eel. Uh, But reports were split between eel-shaped and long with a reptilian head and a shark-like fin. Uh, Of course, skeptic researcher Giorgio Castiglione, Castiglione, sorry, Um, there's probably Castiglione, who studied the cases, and by studied I mean checked out the lake and talked to witnesses and read old newspaper reports, says that (laughs) 1954 was an otter, 1957 was a hoax, September 1957 could have been a pike, and 2003 must have been a group of fish swimming together. So basically he's a huge buzzkill and I hate him. And he's the worst. And I hate you. Who are you? You weren't there. But yeah, that's pretty you much the only cryptid that they have. I mean, that's every enough. country has sort of this, like, the Bigfooty type creature sure, yeah. and, like, the Loch Nessy type creature. It makes but, total um, sense, yeah. That was their, their big cryptid, along with the bad Badalsic or whatever. <laughs> what Balsic, Balsic, The Italian Krampus. We have no the Italian, Italian. Italian. A Krampus. A Krampus. A Krampus. A ravioli. Oh. It's just funny. It's so great. So Ireland has some fun little guys. Yeah. Um, I have to start with talking about the fucking leprechaun, which I hate because... <laughs> No, I like the idea of leprechauns. I just hate that, again, like, so much has just been twisted and changed Mm -hmm. because the leprechaun started as a fairy that lived in Mm -hmm. Ireland and the legend started back in medieval times. And the tradition started that leprechauns were tall fairies that looked like humans and they would appear as an old man and they would grant you wishes or they would bring you good luck. There were all these beliefs. But then somewhere along the lines, it became a little person that got attached to a small person. At one point it became known that they were shoemakers. No one knows how that rumor started. (laughs) Then the whole pot of gold at the end of the rainbow came. No one knows where that started. And then it also like a bad personality got thrown on them too. Because they were known as people that brought you good fortune and were, it was just this kind old man that showed up at your door and he was like a type of fairy and now it's like this rascally guy that if you have to capture him, <laughs> yeah, get your three wishes, him. and then let him go. And it's like, who and why? So I just get sad that he was turned into like this mean little guy. I will tell you, though, when I was in grade school, uh, my first grade school before I went to the Lutheran grade school that I went to, but my first grade school was a public grade school. During St. Patrick's Day, the older kids, like fifth through sixth, eighth grade would while the younger kids because we would do recess like uh first through fourth grade would go to recess and then fifth through eighth grade would go to recess so when the first through fourth graders were at recess the older kids were allowed to by the teachers obviously went into our classrooms and like wrecked the place like not like vandalized but like knock things over or like put our book bags on the ground, like, made a mess out of everything and left little, like, 
cutouts of uh, uh, clovers, like the four-leaf oh, the, clovers the everywhere, the yeah. shamrocks, and would leave boxes of Lucky Charms throughout oh the room. Oh That's actually hilarious. So we would get back from, and this was every single... Um, uh, and they would do th- they would do it for Christmas too. They would Santa would come while we oh, were recess, and the older kids would bring the little kids like presents and stuff, that's and so put sweet. them like on See, their that's desk. That's actually really nice. It's very yeah. sweet. And then during, but I I I absolutely believed in leprechauns for like way too long. <laughs> <laughs> that would happen, and I was like, <gasps> yeah, because yeah. we all thought it was. And then I went to a new school, and I was like, "There's no leprechauns at this school. <laughs> what is this place?" <laughs> That's the thing is, it it is fun to believe because like these little rascally guys playing pranks and blah blah blah. Like I I do agree when you're like, I love Especially them. Like it is, yeah, yeah. As a child, it's, it's so a fun, fun thing to believe. As a I think child. I think I just got sad reading the history and hearing that like no, actually all of those things you believe about leprechauns just got made up yeah. over the years, and you're like, come on. Come on, St. Patrick's Day is the biggest hoax of our generation. It truly is. Like, all I found out about St. Patrick's Day today was that it's just a giant lie. (laughs) It's all a lie. It makes me so sad. But there's so many other things that I love about Ireland and Irish culture that that didn't, like, deter me from anything. But I was just kind of like, come on. I will still drink beer on that holiday. Don't get me wrong. I stay um, in my home on that holiday. Yeah, um, oh, no, no, no. You don't go out. Because the bars <laughs> yeah. are a nightmare, but bars you have beer in your apartment. I have <laughs> yeah, beer sure. in my apartment. My husband and I literally last year, instead of going out, bought beer and green food coloring and made our own green beer. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Great. Happy St. Patty's <laughs> yeah. Day. And it was honestly like the best one ever. Like, I didn't need to be in the public eye. Um, okay. And then there were some other, like, mythological people, but I'm going to stick to the creatures, since that's what we're talking about. So... There is a vampire, a female vampire called, I'm going to butcher this, I have no idea how to pronounce it, a deirdre? It sounds like I'm like, a deirdre, yeah, it sounds like I'm being Lauren the derp right now, but it's deer, like this, deirdre. Deer Dur. Right? Deer. Oh, I'm yeah. not crazy. Deer Dur. Deer Dur. Yeah, no, that is exactly what it looks like. So. Deer Dur is an Irish name meaning red bloodsucker, and it's a female demon that seduces men and drains them of all their blood. And according, sure, 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 of course. And according to Celtic legend, an Irish woman who was known throughout the country for her beauty fell in love with a local peasant, which was unacceptable to her father. So her father forced her into an arranged marriage with a rich man who treated her terribly, and eventually she committed suicide. She was buried near Strongbow's tree in Waterford, and one night she rose from her grave to seek revenge on her father and husband. She sucked their blood until they dropped dead, and now she is known as Dear Dur the Vampire. And it is known or thought by tradition that she rises once a year from her grave. She uses her beauty to lure men into their deaths. But not to worry. You can defeat Deirdre. You can put stones on top of her grave so that she can't get out. It won't kill her, but you can hold her off until next year. (laughs) Which I thought was cute. Which Um, I thought was cute. I think it's cute. People go and put stones down. She'll probably still kill you. It's fine. And then there's the puka. Which is an Irish word for a hobgoblin. Hmm. Ew. Cool. One of the most... Ew and cool. One of the (laughs) most feared spirits. According to legend, it can take on a variety of shapes and sizes in order to wreak havoc and harm. However, as legend goes, it is now less dangerous thanks to a legendary king named Brian Boru, who is said to have tamed it and ridden it like a horse. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, it is As said one that does. like you do. It is said that the puka often likes to take the form of a horse or a calf when it shifts its shape. 
and it rushes through a victim's legs and hoists them up for a mad dash across the countryside. Oh my god. So this guy was able to ride it and tame it instead of just going for a wild ride. So, so they like, believe that he doesn't Like exist there's only anymore. one? Apparently. That's kind of how it sounds. Because at first so it, like, it was like, oh, hobgoblins, but now it's just one. A ride on its forces back. you to take a ride across the countryside unless you can tame it like this king and actually be like, shh, steady, steady. <laughs> but instead... <laughs> Was that the king or the hobgoblin? That was the hobgoblin responding and being like, yes, sir. That was amazing. Otherwise, you're going to go for a wild ride, unless you can tame it. But it doesn't kill you? It just takes you for a ride? This guy sounds okay. Yeah, no, that's the thing is they say they say he's not that bad. They just say he wreaks havoc because he can take you on a ride. Bull on a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Besides horses and cows, the puka can also take on the shape of a bird or a bat. This is the scary part, and it would be known to scratch the face of its enemy. Yeah. So you want you'd rather it be the horse. Yeah, I did have a bat scratch my face once, and I thought I had rabies for. I still think I. That's the worst thing I've ever heard like, in I my think life. I might a still bat scratched your face. Yeah, I was like, okay, so I was going into a house, right, and there was like a screen door before the actual door, mm-hmm. and I didn't know there was a bat like hanging from the screen door, like asleep. <laughs> so I go to open the screen door, and I guess I woke it up, and it like. Like, spit oh me in the God. face with its wings. Oh and I had a God. scratch on my forehead, and I was convinced that I have rabies. And this was, like, 12 years ago, and I still think I have rabies. <laughs> oh, my God. What happened to you? <laughs> oh, my God. Why you get that story? There was, like, a really bad visual in my brain of, like, a bat just being like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Right. Like, <laughs> stop it. It literally, like, slapped me with its wings. And it was like, truly ah, ah. like, I didn't know what's happening. one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah, it wasn't until like much later oh. that I realized it was a bat. And oh my god, it that really shocking. made me laugh until I cried. <laughs> That's so Only good. because like I've had like a bat a in my house before. Like I grew up with like we had to like get a broom and get yeah. a bat to oh, yeah. leave our house. So I know it's not that crazy to have like a bat hanging from your door, but like it never came near us. It was yeah. always horrified of us. Of the course. fact that you opened oh. your door and it slapped Here's you. Here's the, the thing. Face. It certainly didn't want to come near me. <laughs> that is just, just where it started away. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like he was as upset as just I was. Smacked you in the face. Smacked me like eight times. Oh, why wow, is that so funny? I just... <laughs> it's a very funny image. And the people that were with me also thought it was very funny. <laughs> so you are not alone. <laughs> oh God. Oh, that's oh, God. I have one more. I don't even know if I can get through it. <laughs> um, Maybe this I is... have a personal story about it. <laughs> there you go. That's great. I hope you do. You're like, speaking of werewolves, <laughs> I got a story. Wait, one time. <laughs> one time. This is a pretty popular one, a banshee. Yeah. Yes. Which I loved this because this showed that I was a weirdo from a young age. When I was in fourth grade, and also just because my mom was always throwing the Irish culture in our face, but I did a report in fourth grade. We were starting creative writing mm. and coming up with stories, and I wrote a story about a banshee. Oh, and everyone else's stories were just about, like, a nice walk in the park with a mother and son, and they <laughs> met a puppy. And I was like, a banshee came and tried to take a little girl too soon. <laughs> And my mom was like, okay. Like, I she mean, let me I bring it to school. You? Yeah, she was like, I mean, do your thing. But I just remember we all just stand up and read our stories. 
And the entire class was just speechless. When I finished, my teacher just like quickly shuffled me to my seat because I was talking about death and a little child. It was like that scene in Casper when Kat tells the class where she lives. Exactly. It was exact. I'm not even exaggerating. Like it was just silence in the class. And then half the people were like, what's a banshee? I still don't understand. And I was like, so anyway, a banshee is a woman is, it's mostly believed to be a woman, a but it's female. like a female, but it's like a spirit or something that comes when a loved one is going to die. A banshee makes an appearance. Um, usually it was known traditionally that she would appear to families of high caliber. Those who have the names O or Mac in the prefix, you know, like O'Shaughnessy and all yeah. those fun <laughs> names. Um, one exception to this rule has been granted to Norman Irish families, which I'm not even sure what that means, but a family named the Fitzgeralds, for example, is very famous for having a banshee come visit them, so they had to include that. There are exceptions, folks. Mm -hmm. But in any event, she comes, um, to people usually of noble stock, and it is with great dread when you hear the piercing scream, because that means that someone in your family is going to die, and unless... You have someone of very old age who is sick. You don't even know who it's going to be. Um, she resembles traditional Irish keeners or mourners. Um, and just like her mortal counterparts, those who have seen her describe her as drawing a comb through her hair as if she's tearing her hair out in anguish, which yeah. I guess ancient mourners used to do when a loved one was dying. Um, incidentally, while the Banshee is considered benign, she supposedly does have a sister force who is not. This force is called the Lihan Seed, and her sole purpose is to seek the love of mortal men, similar to, I feel like, lots of things yeah. we've been talking about today. They make men fall in love with them and then destroy them. So that's kind of the bad banshee cool. that exists, yeah. but the yeah. other banshee is mostly just coming to say it's what your time. What the other one's called? Lihan Seed. I'm going to make people call me that for now. <laughs> Please do. I know. Again, I'm saying it wrong. seducing men and destroying them. <laughs> and destroying them. Sorry, too. Um, but good or evil, the Banshee is a very famous part of Irish history, and that scream could just blow your eardrums out. I wonder if it's like La Llorona, where it's like where in the areas where, because La Llorona, we discovered when we talked, when we did the episode, and we talked about, what was that episode about? We talked, oh, dolls. Remember. Oh, dolls. yeah. We talked Jesus. about Island of the Dolls. Oh, yeah, We talked yeah. about oh. all the areas. It's very interesting. All the areas in Mexico. Uh, where La Llorona was originated and where it was like a big tail actually had, what was it? Was it Bobcats? Or, so. Oh, yeah. Or no. Or yeah, not, no. Bobcats, not Bobcats, but it was... Um, Something in the tree. Some yeah. big cat. Yeah. No, it was some, a, it was, some, it was some sort of cat. Like a wild cat. That when it screams, it sounds like a wailing, wailing woman. Right. Uh, which either because of that scream, the story was created, or it just made the story more real. Oh, sure. With that sure, scream. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there's some uh, creature in Ireland that has, like, a piercing screech. Right. Mm. Probably. Because yeah. there's always an explanation yeah. for, like, when those things happen, for the most part. So I would imagine there's a creature that's like... <laughs> Except not like that at Except all. not adorable. And you're like, there's a tiny banshee outside. Yeah. There's oh, a baby banshee. Cabbers. There's a baby banshee. There's a right baby there. banshee. That's what her farts sound like. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Someone's gonna die, guys. <laughs> Somebody's gonna die. Someone's dying. And you have, we talked about oh, yes. Irish vampires. Yeah. Armenians absolutely have I, vampires. I think this is where this started from because in passing, when you had started the podcast, 
And she's like, oh my God, I'm I want to be on the computer. I really want to be on this computer. Um, I mentioned that I had read a story at some point about like a vampire that like sucks blood out of people's feet. And, what? Ew. Yeah, and I and this is like so long ago when we talked about this. This is where it started from. And I think that's why you're like, you need to come on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to know more Foot about this. Vampire. Oh, vampire. All right, so I've got a, a werewolf story and a vampire story. Perfect. All right, so here we go. Um, so in old Armenian folklore, there are many creatures in, in which humans and evil spirits can transform by either free will or curse. Often such tales involve werewolves roaming at night, snatching children, and causing fear. These creatures are known as Marzagal in Armenian. Some tales speak of women who, in consequence of deadly sins, guys, that's like, we're all screwed, are condemned <laughs> yeah, to spend right. seven years in wolf form. Deadly in, sins, like listening yeah. to a speech that everyone else can listen to. <laughs> oh, yeah, go exactly. on. <laughs> you can't do that Krampus festival or you're going to become <laughs> one of these things. Uh, in a typical account, a condemned woman is visited by a wolfskin-toting spirit who orders her to wear the skin, which causes her to acquire frightful cravings for human flesh soon after. With her better nature overcome, the she-wolf devours each of her own children, then her relatives' children in order of relationship, and finally the children of strangers. She wanders only at night with doors and locks bringing open at her approach. When morning arrives, she reverts to human form and removes her wolf skin. The transformation is generally said to be involuntary, but there are alternate versions, including vol- voluntary metamorphosis, where the woman can transform at will. These werewolves run like the wind and are able to make a journey of many days in just one hour, such that no one can detect their absence from home. A werewolf cannot be killed by a knife or weapon. The only way to save oneself from them is to take and burn the pelt. However, during the day, the Mardayal has the skin and it is difficult to find. After seven years, the wolfskin ascends to heaven on its own accord and the person returns to being a normal human being. However, <laughs> it's eaten its entire family. Right. You just thought you wonder, you're like, where'd my kids go? <laughs> yeah. Like, Where are my oh, children? Sometimes only one trace remains of the prior condition, usually a tail. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's kind of cool. Other tales related to werewolves have a mythical character, such as the creation of the Milky Way. Ooh. A young, newly married woman, one Armenian folk story says, had been transformed into a werewolf. Once, uh, when washing a guest's feet, she observed that the feet were very white and tender. She liked this a lot, and at night, when everyone was asleep, she put on the wolf's pelt and came to devour the guest. However, the brave guest stabbed her in the breast with his dagger. Milk squirted from her breast into the sky, and traces of this milk are now still visible as the Milky Way. Shut your damn mouth. (laughs) What? So there you go, guys. That's how the Milky Way (laughs) happened. I will never look at the stars the same again. I know. Like, what? The next time we're outside and Joe's like, aren't the stars beautiful? I'm going to be like, it's actually breast milk from a werewolf. From a werewolf. Who came up with that? These are what I often wonder. It's like, how did you guys come to agree that... Yeah, that sounds like a good explanation. Yeah, really? it's one of the Probably weirdest things milk. I've ever heard. Yeah. It's gotta be breast milk from that werewolf lady. <laughs> yeah, like, <none laughs> Why are breasts yeah. so heavily involved uh, in Armenia? Uh, yeah, Armenian. You guys, I don't, I'm really I into it. They have all these fetishes. <laughs> yeah. Breast yeah. fetishes, foot weirdos. fetishes. All right, here we go. Here's, here's the wolf one. Here's the foot fetish. All right. Uh, Wait, that wasn't the foot fetish? No, that was the werewolf story. That was oh. the boob fetish, apparently. But that was the wolf <laughs> skin thing and now the vampire thing all right um you know i mean it's a country of countless l- l- legends and myths <laughs> 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 
We'll try it again. Most of which still remain <laughs> very much unknown in the West. And honestly, I think that was one of the things in doing the research. There's not a lot of info. And I just think it's because no one's ever really explored much of this stuff. I bet if you like dug deeper or like actually started to do more research, you would find a lot more of these. Like, yeah, it's crazy so interesting stories. too. It's, it's like everyone, everyone knows Greek gods, Greek yeah. goddesses, yeah. Greek, right. you know, like heroes yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's. All of these traditions yeah. are and just as very interesting. Par- they're very parallel in many oh, respects. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so, among such legends, a rare account of vampirism recorded by a traveler to Armenia. In his book, Transcaucasia, Sketches of the Nation and Races Between the Black Sea and the Caspian, <gasps> published in 1854, Baron von Hauthausen recalls a tale of an Armenian vampire known to the locals as Dachanabad. The account has been made has been made mentioned by then uh, oh somebody else mentioned it sorry it's like I can't read this Montague Summers and <laughs> what a name Jonathan Mayberry author of Vampire Universe the Dark World of Supernatural Beings that Haunt Us Hunt Us and Hunger for Us that's that there's title, a title. Is far too long. Yeah. <gasps> Montague. All of these oh, wait, titles. Oh, no, that wasn't Montague. Yeah. All How of these titles of these are real? so long. Like, I don't want to read a book after yeah. I read the I know. Title. I read the title. I'm exhausted. <laughs> no, I'm for today. That was one chapter. According to legend, there was a vampire who resided in the mountains of Ultmish Altotem. Sure, sure. He was very protective and did not like anyone intruding in and around his residence Damn. among the mountains and valleys. Help! She's releasing gas. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, it's You push horrible. the button. You push the right button. I don't even know how to escape. You can't. I'm if, scared. Just okay, in. just keep If talking. one did, he would attack them in the night and kill them by sucking the blood from the soles of the intruder's feet. At last, outwitted by travelers aware of his presence, the vampire ran away from the valleys never to be seen again. What, so he would kill them, so it's not... <laughs> It's not even a, like, oh, I'm going to suck the blood from his feet because no one's going to check there. Yeah. Maybe I, he won't notice the bite marks. The bite marks under the soles. So there's two, like, doc- from these books, there's, like, short little passages. So there once dwelt in a cavern in this country a vampire called Dachanavar who could not endure anyone to penetrate into these mountains or count their valleys. Everyone who attempted this had in the night his blood sucked by the monster from the soles of his feet until he died. The vampire was, however, at last outwitted by two cunning fellows. They began to count the valleys, and when night came on, they lay down to sleep, taking care to place themselves with the feet of the one under the head of the other. In the night the monster came, felt as usual, and found a head. Then he felt at the other end and found a head there also. Well, he cried, I have gone through the whole 366 valleys of these mountains and have sucked the blood of people without end. But never did I find any one with two heads and no feet. So saying, he ran away and was never seen in that country. But ever after, the people have known that the mountain has 366 valleys. What? You're what telling me sweet this earth. dumbass vampire <laughs> so was like, hold on. Oh, head's there. Wait, head's there too? Oh, I retired. I gotta go. <laughs> like that. I'm done. It's like, what? Done. I what a only weird like vampire. Feet. Yeah, and then the other little short thing is just about how, like, to ward it off, they would put small cloves of raw garlic in various pockets or mash it up and rub the paste on their shoes. At night, if camping outdoors, these travelers built a large fire and tossed garlic bulbs into the flames. The combination of garlic and the blazing fire would drive away almost 
all of the world's many species of vampires away. I wonder if that's where the garlic uh, came from, because in the traditional, like, vampire uh, uh, lore, garlic is not mentioned. mentioned. So I wonder if that is an Armenian That would be something totally worth like digging into, yeah, we should look that up. That because so, yeah, that's something I'm because it's super not in the traditional, about. uh, you know. I mean, there was yeah. vampires. I wonder like, if it's like an like an Orient thing because, like, I'm sure there's also similar legends from like China and stuff where I think a lot of these herbs and spices actually originated from. And I wonder where garlic originated from. Maybe that's where. It... Maybe it mm-hmm. was Italy. Italy. The Italian. We love the garlic. Yes, that's true. Mm. <laughs> but I don't know. Oh, you know. These are the. Those were the weirdest <laughs> vampires. I've yeah. Ever heard of. The, I actually, the most honestly, the um the werewolf. That's probably the most interesting werewolf that I've ever heard of. I've never true. heard of that before because it's like it's a woman cult. first of all, which is cool. It's a woman, yeah. and it's not that like she transforms. I mean, she does transform into like a monster, but it's like the. Pelt, yeah, is she has what? to wear the pelt, right? Yeah, it. so it's like a magical piece of clothing. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and she gets to keep the tail. She, yeah, it's like, what is it? but she how, loses her whole family. Like, so, like if that's how right, they explain so the like, tailbone, give and take. Oh, that's, that's how, how they, they, yeah, that's how they would explain if someone had a tailbone is like she must have been a werewolf and had to oh, shit. eat her children for her sins. Dun 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 dun. Um, do you guys have, I have a haunted, I have like a fucked up place. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Do it. Have you guys heard of, <clears throat> sorry, I ate a cookie. Those, by the way, <laughs> fluffiest cookies I've ever had it's in my entire life. It's the damn pumpkin. I, they're they're so fucking good. It's the freaking pumpkin. They're I can't just... wait till I'm done talking about this island so that I can <laughs> eat another cookie. I don't even like cookies normally and I want oh, yeah. seven. She I doesn't. Like... She's not a sweets person. Uh, I, but I always already... forget that about you. But I've already eaten two. <laughs> <laughs> you always forget that you don't like sweets because oh, it's so inhuman. No, and to be <laughs> honest, I was just having one to be polite to her guest, but then I was like, this is delicious. I am one of those people that like, I don't like incredibly sweet desserts. Yeah. yeah. I'm like that. I don't when like I super bake, rich. Like, I don't yeah. like, I can't I, do Yeah, that. super rich, really like caramely chocolate syrup type things. Like, like yeah. okay. spot, Gabby. Get comfy. Copy. Get comfy. Fart away. Okay. <laughs> oh my god! Have you Don't guys heard of Povelia Island? Povelia. No, okay. Povelia Island is a secluded little piece of land that even the machoiest of Italians stay away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should literally be renamed Bad Energy Island because holy shit. Okay. <laughs> First of all. The island, for as long back as, like, history is recorded, has been used for, like, dark, dark purposes. The first inhabitants arrived in 421 AD in order to escape the barbarian hordes that were ravaging Venice at the time. And it was not a peaceful time at all. Constant fighting, attempting to keep the hordes off the island, etc., etc., Eventually, the island became more populated and was steadily inhabited until 1379 when all the inhabitants were moved from the island so that the government could use the island as a station in w- with which to battle the attacking fleets from oh, Genoa. Oh. So, it is also suspected that the English used it as a base from which to ambush and slaughter French soldiers during the Napoleonic War, and this claim is supported by the amount of French shipwrecks still littering the bottom of the lagoon surrounding the island. 
It was popular at the time for French commandos who were captured to be burned alive, which many assume happened on the island. They were brought onto the island and burned alive. Then, okay, then, back when the bubonic plague was wiping out most of the world's population, the Romans had the idea to keep the healthiest people away from the sick people, much like a quarantine. So what they would do is ship the plagued people off to a small island between Venice and Lido, Pavalia Island. Oh, my God. People, Gabby, she go is, away, you farty man. She's mad. caught on my pants. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> she is undeterred. She like, is. She, she is wants to be no on laps and she wants to be farting. God, she smelled terrible. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what she ate. Maybe she, I don't know. She might have a tummy ache. She she must. <laughs> like that was something it's I've been never smelled. Parts. <laughs> okay. <go> okay. <clears throat> okay. So people ended up living out the last of their horrible, sick lives together Ooh. until they died on this island. Then it just became a dumping ground. So the next epidemic that came around, barely alive bodies were dumped there and burned in mass graves. So live people burned alive in mass. Like it was, if you've ever seen the pictures of doctors with those creepy long nose masks. Yes. Those are horrifying. Or the pictures of hundreds and hundreds of bodies thrown into a pit to die. That was life on Pavalia Island. No way. Um, Apparently people were dragged kicking and screaming to the island. It was like hell on they knew if, if you're being taken to Pavalia Island, you're going to die. die. Like, oh that's where God. you're going to die. And also, when people displayed symptoms of the plague and were thought to be ill. Oh, this is kind of a fun fact. Um, I didn't know this. They were sent to places like Pavalia Island for a set amount of time. And once they were granted a clean bill of health, if they survived, they could go home. And mm. this was almost always 40 days. The Italian word for 40 days is Guaranta... Giorini, from which the modern term quarantine comes from. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I got so, that question right in trivia two weeks did ago. You? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> they asked where the word quarantine, or they said, like, which word, like, means. Um, they worded it in some way where it was like, quarenta, blah, 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 Like, what medical term comes from that today? Uh, and I was like, so quarantine, crazy. clearly. Yeah. Anyway, that was so that's, the uh, worst That was in Italian. That was. Yeah, what was that? I mean, I also can't pronounce anything Italian. So. I know. So, yeah, it was hard because especially back then, plague, the plague was so prominent. If you just, like, had an itchy elbow, it was like, you have the plague. And right. then they were, like, sent to die on this island. If they didn't have the plague, they were going to get it. Once yeah, because they, they were the surrounded island. by all those people. Right. Oh, so, and people were just killed. It was horrible. So then, of course, all that happened. And then in the 20s, the 1920s, a mental hospital was built to welcome the island's newest guests. Pretty much anyone who showed symptoms of any sort of sickness, mental or physical, basically, like, if you had so much as, like, a cough or, like, uh, you were tired for a while, you'd be shipped away to Pavalia where the Mm. dirt, I'm not kidding, the dirt there is half soil, half ash, half, like, human ash. Human remains. Over 100,000 people had died on this small island by the 1920s. And in the 1920s, I said they built a, an insane asylum, a mental institution. The entire island was the mental institution. 
every building. It was like a main building and all these like separate buildings and like a chapel. It was all a mental institution. And the patients constantly complained about seeing ghosts and hearing disembodied wailing voices. But of course, they were in a mental institution. So the claims were were treated as the ranting of like insane minds. Mm -hmm. And of course, because it was an 1920s you could basically treat mentally ill people any which way you wanted to so the doctor who ran the hospital conducted all kinds of brutal experiments on residents of the island and that's not a rumor that it's actually documented like for example this particular hospital hospital was very big on brain activity Mm -hmm. and which parts of the brain controlled which parts of the body so they would do things like shove chisels into the brains uh, uh, of these uh. people to see which body part like jerked oh my god how horrible is that's that the worst um you know fun stuff lobotomies yes. were very popular Ooh. on the island specifically lobotomy experimentation oh, i.e what's the best way to lobotomize someone hammer <laughs> nails <laughs> drills <laughs> chisels <laughs> i know what so the doctor this is kind of cool i mean it's not cool but it is <laughs> the doctor eventually took a tumble off the bell tower Uh-oh. and met his demise many people believe that the spirits of the island had something to do with his death either pressing him to the point of suicide or giving him a little shove at the top of the tower Good. well deserved he yeah. actually did survive the fall but not for long Rumor has it that some sort of mist swallowed him up upon landing, effectively finishing the job. Mm-hmm. A mist. Uh, there is also, yeah, uh, people who witnessed it said that he fell to his death. They saw him fall, and then they like a fog covered the ground. And oh when they God. got to the body, he was dead. Uh, there's also a very persistent urban legend that the doctor's body was bricked up within the walls of the hospital. Oh, but oh that God. seems pretty crazy. So upon closing the hospital, the island was mostly used for agriculture, vineyards and such, and was sporadically inhabited. One person who owned it in the 1960s quickly abandoned it for unknown reasons, and another family who planned to build a vacation home there suddenly decided not to build and left forever. Uh, Rumor has it that the reason they left and never returned was that the daughter of the family had mysteriously had her face split or ripped open while on the island, an injury that required 14 stitches. There has never been any explanation as to what happened to her to inflict such a wound, but the popular rumor is that some violent entity attacked her. Mm. And good luck if you want to visit the island. Literally no boats make regular stops Mm -hmm. there. The Italian Tourism Board prohibits visiting the island. Like, on paper, it's a law and requires a lengthy application process where you have to get approval before you can even set foot on the ash-covered land. But apparently, for about 200 euros, you can hire a dude to float you over there on a raft. Uh, As long as you don't get caught, because you'll get fined like crazy. And hopefully you don't get injured, because the island is literally falling apart in chunks. Um, Ghost Adventures actually did an investigation there, my least favorite spandex-wearing ghost hunting team. (laughs) They stranded themselves there for 24 hours, and the episode is full of... You know, the curses, they, they talk about the, mm-hmm. the doctor and he was cursed on the island. Apparitions, creepy music, weird energy, inexplicable equipment malfunctions, and off-the-charts ghost, uh, the ghost monitors and their EVPs and stuff. Mm-hmm. They asked questions and got direct answers, mysterious bangs, which could be the chunks falling off of the island. Right. Audible footsteps, disembodied voices, and strange orbs are all captured on audio and video. 
Most psychics refuse to visit the island because the negative energy is so overwhelming, and many paranormal researchers and history buffs that have visited have recounted not only the feeling of extreme oppression, but also being pushed, shoved, pinched, scratched, and bitten by unseen forces. Good Lord. There's just so, so... many angry spirits there yeah. because the, the, the yeah, juju or, is Or, I mean, are you kidding? Like, it's, it's literally so since the beginning of time, the first people to inhabit that land were running away from hordes of... Murderers. Murderers, yeah. like, barbarians. Oh and God. then it was just, like, used for wartime, and then it was... Yeah. Plague. Plague. Plague and, island. Plague dumping, and then Ugh. it was a mental institution. That's literally all it's known. The one thing that stuck in my head, though, was that some guy started growing vineyards in it. It's like, who wants wine that's yeah. right. growing in some Can you imagine? Human ashes. Yeah, from so human disgusting. ash. That's yeah, the worst that's thing That's pretty much... Imagine. Yeah, <laughs> like, these grapes are grown from human ash. <laughs> oh, Soil is you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm half and half. Yeah. Ooh, pass. Half and half. Bam. Hard pass. Do you have any scary places? Gosh, I don't think I have scary places, but I have I guarantee like there are hauntings, shrines but and not. stuff. Like shrines? Old. Yeah. Like so it's it's really old. I mean it's like stupid old. Um like How old is it? How old is it? Well, like the capital city celebrated its two thousand seven hundred and ninety ninth birthday this last Jesus. year. It's old, guys. Um, like I found this cool little thing of like the world's oldest things that have been found in Armenia. Speaking of wine, the oldest wine making facility is sixty one hundred years old. Whoa. It's been found in Armenia. Um, like Stone Age tools. War horses, like evidence of war horses that are 4,500 years old. Um, um, a skirt, like a piece of fabric made from reeds, which is 5,900 years old. Um, an actual human brain, like a little Whoa. bit of um, like, pres- like tissue, preserved. preserved tissue Ooh. set at 6,000 years old, belonging to a 12 to 14 year old girl. Um, shoes, all kinds of other stuff. Um, and then the one last thing that I think is, like, super cool is there's an Armenian Stonehenge, um, which is 7,500 years old. So it's actually wow. 2,000 years older than Stonehenge. Very cool. Um, and it's, like, the same idea. It's a megalith circle of, like, lots of stones, and it's considered thought to be an observatory. That's what they think it's for. Oh. Yeah. So I have a bit of info on that. Um, so it's called Karahunj, which means singing stones. Uh, seven and a half hundred years old, and it consists of stone settings, burial cysts, and standing stones. Uh, total have 223 registered stones belonging to the site. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and the height ranges from half a meter to three meters above ground and weighing up to 10 tons. They are made of basalt stones eroded by time and covered with moss and lichens of many colors. The inside surface of holes are preserved much better. And there are lots of, like, broken stones that they haven't necessarily considered, like, officially part of that 223. Mm -hmm. Uh, About 80 of the stones feature a circular hole, although only 37 of the stones with 47 holes are still standing. Uh, They have been of interest to Russian and Armenian um, archaeoastronomers who have suggested that the standing stones could have been used for astronomical observation 17 of the stones were associated with observations of sunrise or sunset at the solstices and equinoxes, and 14 with the lunar extremes. 
More significant is that Karavinja's principal stellar alignment is towards Deneb, the brightest star in the constellation of Cygnus the Swan. A number of the standing stones bear smooth angled spy holes that are four to five centimeters in diameter, each one being angled towards different points on the horizon or ancient targets in the heavens. A keystone had a hole that was focused due north towards the meridian. This suggested that it is that it targeted a bright star, um, so the highest or lowest point it reaches as it revolves around the north celestial pole. Primarily, it is because of its use as a time marker, its stars belong so clo- uh, being so close to the north celestial pole. Uh, blah, 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 sorry, it's like getting really... Great. But basically, Cygnus was really close to what they considered the north star. So it's kind of used as a time marker. So they would keep track of the months and the time of year. Okay. Um, it has its... There is... It has its position on the Milky Way, which we've established came from breast milk, exactly where this (laughs) starry stream bifurcates to form what is known as the Cygnus Rift or Dark Rift. Universally, this area of the sky has been seen as the point of access into the sky world, as well as a place of cosmic birth and death. It was also the place where the souls of the dead traveled in the afterlife, very often accompanied by or in the form of a bird uh, considered a soul carrier. Very often, the identity of these birds corresponded with how the stars of Cygnus were represented in regional mythologies. A falcon in Egypt, a vulture on the Euphrates, and a swan in Hellenic Greece and Turkey. So it's like a Jibaba? Yes. Well, yeah, I think so. The Jibaba was um, basically a dying star, and that was where the Mayans believed. Oh, that's what it's from. They yeah, right. would, um, that's where their afterlife was? Yeah. And they believed in being buried underneath, like, fruit trees, like, fruit-bearing mm-hmm. trees, mm-hmm. so that the birds would eat the fruit and they would fly to Shibalba. Oh, that's so cool. That's so yeah. interesting. So, again, very so it's kind of the, the same parallel. idea. Yeah. yeah. The birds and the... Yeah, and the constellation is of a swan. Yeah. So that would kind of explain it. But, yeah, so I guess in, in the Milky Way, there is this astronomical thing called that Cygnus Rift, which is, like, a black dark area with no stars mm-hmm. in the rest of the Milky Way, and that's what it was Isn't pointing. it crazy that these, like, ancient civilizations <clears throat> built things like this right. to track I mean, to, yeah. and to, to be able to put together that, like, being able to track the, like, the distance of stars and the, the, the position of stars in the sky would be able to track time, time passing. Right. It's mind-boggling how Our much generation, the brain power that was in yeah. there. Yes. No we are one so today dumb. could do that. No, no, no we're so dumb-dumb. So because we already, we have Google. Exactly. Yeah. Like and we, we have Someone will phone. tell us. We have our computers. Someone will tell me what time it yeah, is. Yeah, no, but, like, from the Mayans to, like, obviously the Egyptians and, like, there's all this, like, math, like, Mind-boggling math. Oh yeah, I don't understand I, it. I cannot even. Wrap <laughs> like when my they talk about it. like, oh well, they found constellations. It's like I can't even find <laughs> yeah, the I constellation. Can't find, right. You can put me outside at. Yeah. for a year, and I'd be like, stars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just crazy. Just how stars. So many people. Like so much of that is just. Yeah, it's nuts. It's like, I guess yeah, they had nothing else to insane. do with their time. Yeah, they didn't have... I mean, have, that is true. <laughs> they didn't have Crash Bandicoot. It's like, well... One, two, you know, or three, I so. can't farm right now. It's cold out, so I'm gonna Crash go outside Bandicoot. and look up for a while. I don't know. That's what I do to waste time. <laughs> I mean, I love that game, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said of all oh, things. They didn't have Crash Bandicoot, They didn't. So. So what are they, what are they so gonna what do? Else, what else are they gonna <laughs> do? Let's build some stones and tell time, y'all. Yeah. Takes about the same amount of time. Yeah. 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 Carson Stone. What about you? 
There's an area in Ireland called the Vanishing Triangle. What? Um, where <coughs> I have the frog in my throat too. I gave it to you. I have like this long cough that will not. Malloy. Malloy. I'm doing my little horns. Oh my over god! Here. I can't just. <coughs> They're just doing it at each other. <laughs> All right. It makes no sense. But uh, here we go. But here we are. So, there were a series of disappearances of young women that all happened around the same time in the 90s. And 1990s? 1990s? Whoa. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so this is more recent. Um, it happened in the 90s and in the same kind of geographical area. And still to this day, they still don't know what has happened to this woman. There are no substantial clues or evidence of their fate and there have been huge searches and tons of money poured into it and campaigns by the Irish police force, wow. but nothing has still come up. Um, but the most important characteristic of all of these strange disappearances of these women ranging from late teens to early 40s is the geographical area, which became popular, popularly known as the Vanishing Triangle. This area is a triangle located in the eastern part of the island, approximating the boundaries of Leinster which I'm not sure where that is. The unofficial list of Ireland's missing women that all disappeared within this vicinity is six names officially, but there may be more. There's some that are like kind of in the area, but they think could be something else. So it's like, it's a little confusing, but there are six for sure that all disappeared are unsolved and in this area. Um, Due to the similarities in this case, the popular theory is that it is the result of a serial killer or killers being active in that area during this period of time. The cases of these missing women were featured in the Irish media periodically, and the disappearances have been the subject of many unsolved crime documentaries, including Disappeared in the Mountains, which I really want to watch. There was, like, a $10,000 reward being offered, all kinds of stuff, but the recovery of the bodies has never happened. How many? Six, like, officially, sort of. So not officially. <laughs> Unofficially. I spit all over myself and Mel. Confirmed officially, but not. Okay. This is what well, I'm like, saying. Like, no, I'm totally kidding. Yeah, oh, so sorry. they say it's six names because it's six women, all unsolved, all in this vicinity, all in this time. But then there were some other... um I think murders that happened where bodies were actually found, but they still don't know who did it. And they're like, was it the same guy? But this doesn't seem like his MO, blah, 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 blah. So six named on the list, but could be more. So they're thinking it's a serial killer, but it's in this little triangle. Could it be like the Bermuda Triangle? Well, we talked about triangles a lot in episode three, two, three. I think it was three. Three in episode three, uh, Journey to the Bermuda Tyler. Mm Mm-hmm. We talked about triangles because there are triangles all over the world. There's the yeah. Bermuda Triangle. There's several in the United States. There's one in Beverly Hills, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> apparently there's a big one in Ireland. And then we got to thinking and we were like, but a triangle's a really easy shape to make if you have three locations. <laughs> totally. You know yeah. what I mean? You can make a triangle out of anything. <laughs> you can anything. make a triangle out of anything. Right, right. But it's still very interesting. Yeah, this is Definitely. So the vanishing triangle. Interesting. I want to watch that documentary. I know I do too. When I saw that, I was like, "Yes, please." Yes, please. <laughs> and then there's been a couple books on it too because everyone's just baffled and they're like, "We have no idea what happened to these." Could movies. they be runaways? Were, were they all? It could be, but they're such different ages and have no yeah, connections. Oh, okay. Like it's late teens to forties. So oh. yeah, it's kind of all over the place. It's not like this specific type or yeah. anything. Yeah, it's like the hard to read, crazy thing. 
<laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, we're running out of time. Does anyone have anything else that they're just dying to share? I have an abduction story, but it's literally the longest thing <laughs> on my list. I'm going to have to save it, and it's bonkers. Just you wait, guys. It's bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple murders, but they're not super mind-blowing, so I'm also sort of like... Do I share? <laughs> do, I, do, do I share? I share? <laughs> They're just two murder stories that took place in the 70s in Ireland. So Were they just murders or like serial killers or like what was crazy um, about them? Actually, there is one story. It's pretty short too, so that's good. This one's pretty interesting just because these guys are the grossest. So oh, great. in 1975, <laughs> two English drifters named John Shaw and Jeffrey Evans, or maybe it's Joffrey since, you know, we're over there. Right. Since we're over there. We're over there. Since, you know, we're over there. Pinky's <laughs> up, guys. <laughs> and so John Shaw and Jeffrey Joffrey Evans arrived on Irish soil with the intention, with this plan, of murdering and raping a woman a week. Yeah. That was their Ew. actual plan. Grossos. They were both in their 30s, and they were already wanted in connection with three British rape cases. Oh, there you go. I bet they so, would have voted for Trump. Oh, 100%. Sure. So the pair slipped away and under Ireland skin and began to fund their murder spree by carrying out house burglaries across the country. So they're just, like, amazing guys. Like, really, like really good. Upstanding guys. For sure. Evans, who was said to be the brains of the operation, and Shaw, who's just an asshole, were caught the next year in Cork and jailed for two years for their break-ins. They were freed 18 months later on bail, and the men escaped British authorities again and set out to accomplish what they originally came to Ireland for. They drove to British Bay in Wicklow in late August 1976, and they laid eyes on their first victim, Elizabeth Plunkett, a 23-year-old clerk from Dublin. The men offered her a ride home, but took an unexpected turn and drove her up to the Castleton, Castleton Woods in Dublin, where they repeatedly raped her. Evans then ordered Shaw to kill Elizabeth. Shaw choked the young woman with the sleeve of his shirt, and then they dumped her way down body in the sea. Um, next, in September, just a few weeks later, they arrived in Galway, and they stole a Ford Cortina and drove to Castle Bar, where they abducted, beat, and raped local chef Mary Duffy at the young age of 24, which is horrible. Shaw then suffocated her by holding a cushion over her head and threw her body into a lake. Then, just two weeks later, on September 26th, it's like Gardai, which is like the Irish police force. Mm -hmm. Spotted the stolen Cortina, and Evans and Shaw were taken into custody. They confessed to the murder and rape of both women and were sentenced to life in jail, where they became Ireland's longest-serving prisoners. Oh, my God. Which and they got that. raped once a week. Yeah, You know sure. they did. Ew. <laughs> my gross. gosh. Sorry about it. As no, gross, no, no. As gross <laughs> and terrible as that is, like, I would love that. Like, if someone yeah. heard what their plan was and was like, like, oh, well, oh, let's yeah. rape these guys. We can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, exactly. Dreams I fulfilled. What was why? Ugh. That's the thing is it was yeah. just like let's do this. They were just buds. Yeah, they were yeah, they were best friends. They came from England and I'm sure they were mentally disturbed. They were in obviously, some way, shape, or form. you know, did not have a good relationship with their, their mother. mother. Yeah. <laughs> some kind of head injury. Some yeah, they're both injury. in their thirties, yeah. which I feel like that's not I guess that's not late for a crime spree. I'm trying to think back to all the serial killers and mm. Criminals that we've talked about on this show, and I feel like when Late there's 20s, like a head 30s, injury or usually, abuse, yeah. and it's I feel like in the twenties is usually when things are born. Which thirties is usually when they really hit their right. This was when the murder started because yeah. they already had rape charges from England before, before they even that. went to Ireland. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were just on the run from English or British authorities, and then these idiots. 
These idiots. These idiots. What about you? Any parting wisdom? Um, the only last thing that I dug up, which was kind of huh, dug up, huh, it's about archaeology. Huh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, real quick. So there were some shrines discovered uh, back in like the early 2000s. Uh, dating back to about 3,300 years old. Jeez. Um, and they're just, it's, I think, more now that, like, there's more people who go to Armenia and there's, like, all these excavations, like, constantly. They're finding all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but there were three shrines that were discovered on the hilltop. Um, local rulers of the time likely used the shrines for divination, uh, predicting the future. Mm. Um, so the three shrines consisted of a single room holding a clay basin filled with ash and ceramic vessels. A wide variety of artifacts were discovered, including clay idols with horns, stamp seals, sensors used to burn substances, and a vast amount of animal bones with markings on them. During divination practices, the rulers and diviners may have burnt some form of substances and drank wine, allowing them to experience, quote, altered states of mind. Mm -hmm. Um, The logic of divination presumes that variable pathways articulate the past, present, and future, opening the possibility that the link between a current situation and an eventual <coughs> outcome might be altered. Um, the one of the fortress, the fortress where these shrines were found, is one of several strongholds built around this time in Armenia. Evidence uh, suggests that this coordinated process of fortress construction was part of the emergence of a single uh, rule, um, like basically like a single kingdom, versus like a lot of smaller, smaller like, little clans and stuff like that. Um, they believe that this site would have been used as an occult center for the rulers, um, mm. specify, uh, specializing in servicing the emerging rulers from the ruling class. So giving them like predictions on battles and like, you know, oh, you're going to have a son or, or this is going to happen. Mm. Um, they found, um, knuckle bones, like of animals, uh, cows, sheep, and goats, which were covered in burns and other markings would have been rolled like dice in rituals, attempting to predict the future. You would roll them, and depending upon whether the scorched mark side or the marked side came up, you would make a different interpretation while you were it's like high on tea whatever. Yeah. yeah, and then they would use stones to predict the future. It was called lithomancy. Uh, inside a basin at one shrine, um, archaeologists found eighteen small pebbles. These stones appear to have been selected for their smooth, rounded shape and their color palette, which ranged from black and dark gray to white, green, and red. Um, they don't exactly, obviously, know how the stones were used, but again, similar idea. They didn't come with a manual? Yeah, right? It's like, so, it's it's three greens and a black, I guess. (laughs) You win the war. You win the war. Congratulations. Um, Yeah, and then at one shrine, they found um, an installation used to grind flour, and that, again, is another form of predicting the future called alluromancy. It's conspicuous because there was the place to grind the flour, but no place to bake anything. So they Mm. weren't, like, baking bread with the flour. It was similar. They would put it in the basin of the shrine. They would burn materials. They would burn, like, small bits of dough. And the way they would do it, they're not cooking bread. They're actually, again, trying to predict the future somehow. Right. By burning It's probably like they would set it... Set it on fire, put the fire out, and see what designs were Right, or if something came out of the smoke or Mm -hmm. something. Um, so yeah, there was, because of all the conflict in the area, it makes sense that, like, they were using these Whatever means possible. To try and predict what was going on. It's sort of like <laughs> when we were afraid of the Russians, so we started doing, like, mind experiments on mm-hmm. people right. to see yep. if we could move things with our mind yep. and yeah, shit like that. Uh, stranger Things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. exactly. 
It is just like Stranger uh-huh. Things, and everyone put that. Well, together. that was so what we talk about um, that all the mm-hmm. time on the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was what the MK Ultra shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nuts. The tests on uh, yep. Yuri Geller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yuri yeah, Geller yeah. stuff that is what really blows. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, like what War, weapons we do we have? Yeah, what weapons can we develop? What weapons right. could they possibly have to defeat us? Yeah. But that was the thing with the uh, um, that they believe about Stonehenge now as well is that mm-hmm. it was built as sort of. Uh, a symbol for a greater nation. Almost. Oh, interesting. It was, yeah, you know, yeah. there was all these little communities, little cities, little, you know, clans. Mm-hmm. And when Stonehenge was built, it was built, all the clans came together to build Stonehenge as like a uh, symbol of like their unity, unity oh, everyone coming together and forming a, sort of like a nation of people instead oh, of so like crazy. different... That's what they believe anyway. It's yeah. also, yeah, I mean, turns it's... out, a lot of human remains there. What? Uh, and some of them are women, which leads people to believe that human women sex. are, no, women oh. are more, um, oh. women had more uh, authority, power, respect no, than yeah, initially. Yeah, we talked about revered. Yeah. Oh, that's so That actually made me so happy. Yeah, that's heard that. fascinating. Like, yes. Well, there was always cool. debate. They thought it was a matriarchal society back mm-hmm. then in the Stone Ages. They thought that yeah. women actually society mm-hmm. and were sense. were uh, respected and revered mm-hmm. instead of yeah. you know tossed aside yeah. uh, and the fact that women are buried at Stonehenge which is thought to be a place where only like very respectable very honor. like yeah a oh, place of honor yeah the fact that women have been found there actually more women than men mm-hmm. have been found right. there kind of proves that yeah it's matriarchal that's awesome which is so so cool yeah take me there i want to go there take me there let's go there come on take me to that place filled with wonders and wishes i don't know if those are the words i don't know if those are the words i don't remember that song being in the rugrats movie yes i was into it um that is a all the time we have this week for mm-hmm. Keep It Weird. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been uh, a long time coming, like <laughs> yeah. I said earlier. We've been talking about it for I like 10 months. didn't realize we'd been talking about it that <laughs> Literally, like the, I think we hung out like the month, a month after I started the podcast. And I was like, <laughs> you should come on. And that was 10 months ago. Yeah, so. mentioned it a lot. There were lots of conversations where it was like, and Melanie's going to come on and talk about weird Armenian shit at some point. And I was like, okay. Okay, just, cool. Just talk. Tell me when to be <laughs> Um Do you have anything or anyone you want to plug or give a shout out to or anything? No, I'm a fairly boring human. That's I okay. I, I bake cookies, guys. It's all I she bakes fucking delicious cookies. Oh my god, I can't wait to have another one. I know, it sucks. It. I ate two during the episode, but it, they're so Same. fluffy that like, if I did have something to say, I was like, really? <laughs> you have to wait till you're I not talking. I couldn't even like, secretly eat the cookies. I know, I can't <laughs> wait for number three. It was a problem. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. We'll have you on again. You're wonderful. So make sure you guys are checking out our YouTube channel. We have all of our This Week in Weird videos on there. And they're a ton of fun. I'm also going to be uploading short little clips from our seance video because it was too much fun to not share. But if you want to see the entire hour-long video, you have to donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. Patrons get a weekly newsletter, bonus videos, and behind-the-scene pictures and content, and it can all be found on patreon.com 
Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weird Cast and our Facebook page, Keep It Weird. And next week's episode, we are so excited for because we're actually going to be guests on very special television. Ooh, and we're going to be discussing a very ridiculous paranormal episode of Family Matters <laughs> called oh Stevel. Evil. Oh my god. Evil I Steven. So excited. <laughs> I like can't get over it. Um, and I'm so it's going to be so much fun. So make sure you tune in. I don't know if it'll come out on Friday right. though. We're recording on our usual night, but we are not going to be the ones to edit it. So We're not it's in out of our hands, guys. <laughs> but um, it'll be worth that'll the be our next episode. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Mel was our sign off this week. Oh dear. Um, hide your feet. Hide your feet. Hide your wife. Hide your wife. Oh, that's amazing. Hide your feet. Hide your wife. Because we're sucking everybody's blood around here. (laughs) Oh, wait. What did he say? Hide your kids. Hide Hide your your wife. Because they're they're killing or stealing. stealing. What was it? Hide your kids. Let's try and hide your wife. They're raping everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we'll say Um, hide your feet. Hide your wife. They're sucking everybody's blood. Oh, good. Oh, it's perfect. I think we've right. said it enough. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> I was like, should we do we a one, two, three? No, they can't. No, it's too no you get it. And no, keep, and it, keep weird. it weird. What is your welcome in Armenian? Well, we don't really even say you're welcome. We say of it was... Of course you don't. Of course we don't. <laughs> Okay, so it sounds like maybe we can record and the whole okay. apartment's not going to fall. What if the whole apartment just, like, fell through? Fell and <clears throat> we just all died because Jeez. of a plumbing. Oh, no. It, well, got, it, it, got, it got, it got real. really dark. <laughs> I just thought, like, whoa, like a roller coaster ride. <laughs> you think you're we'd, like, like we'd make it out die. unscathed? Like, We're on a couch. It, or it, like, it'd be like on just the floodwaters, we'd just ride down the floodwaters. Yeah. Oh, see, that's what I <laughs> We'd ride enjoy. the couch all we'd the way down. down we'd be on a co- cushy surface. And so then we'd ride like... the turd water on our couch. <laughs> with a cat the farting the whole yeah. way down. With a cat pooping in our face the whole way. Sounds like a great time. But we'd survive. We If we survive, I'm fine with all of that. That's a story. I thought that it would be fun, but it's fine. I'm sorry.